Scissor me, Matilda. <laughs> that has to be the cold open right there. <laughs> Alright everybody, welcome back. We are in round two of the other ship tag team tournament of Doom Extravaganza. I mean, it might be of Doom. I mean, I don't know if they're going to advance or not. But my name is Chris Spiker. I'm here with all my wonderful cohorts. We have Michael T.S. Herrick in the house. What's up? We have Captain Drew Albano. And proud to be back for the second week in a row. And he'll be with us through the rest of the tournament, thankfully, because it's tremendous to talk to me. He's a fountain of knowledge, fits right in like we knew we would. He's your favorite special popular co-host and ours, Mr. Jamie Ward. Well, I'm here to deliver for you. <laughs> Heck yeah. So if you give us three hours, we'll give you a medium rare podcast. Ooh, All right. Medium rare. <laughs> Hell Are yeah. We- so fellas, we had a pretty busy week with the voting for round two. And there were quite a few close matches, I do believe. And some that there's at least one that I know I'm going to rant on here shortly, but we'll get there. Well, since it's Drew Albano's baby, we will skip Ron right over to him and let him take it away. All right, gang, let's uh, get right into the super duper Crockett Cup here with the first matchup from round two. The number one seed, the Road Warriors, Hawking Animal against the 64 seed of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Gene and Ole Anderson. And a good showing by the Wrecking Crew, I think. 10-3 to for the Warriors. From the way things have been going with the Warriors so far, <laughs> it just kind of steamrolled. And uh, I, I thought the Wrecking Crew showed well here for uh, the small amount of votes that we got this week. We lost, geez, eight voters on this round. We're gaining ground, though, with voters. We're getting our, uh, our guys are making picks again for this week. So hopefully some of the lower seed teams, some of the surprise teams might get a little more steam going forward with more voters slash pickers whatever we want to call them <laughs> pickers <laughs> road warriors 10 minnesota wrecking crew three i'm actually kind of surprised that Oli and gene got as many votes as they did i really expected almost a clean sweep the road warriors here well i was one of those guys that went with the minnesota wrecking crew because i figured if the road warriors are going to lose early who better to beat the road warriors than the team that the man that created the road yeah good boys so if anybody was going to beat them, it would have been Oli. This early, anyway. I mean, there's plenty of teams that could take them out down the line, but... At this point, this would, would have been a real tough matchup for the Road Warriors. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting storyline point, too, like how Oli created him. Like, I created you. I know how to take you apart. O- Oli would have been great on the interview. Oh, oh amazing. Yeah. And we know Gene does the job in this one. Of <laughs> right, so uh, they will move on to the third round, Hawk and Animal. And the next match here, round two, the number 32 seed, Hase and then Sasake against the number 33 seed of Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. And this one was a, a throwdown, Doom, and a clean sweep, 13-0. to zero. Well, Doom was that good of a team, so yeah, yeah I have no problem with with them winning here. Plus, it's a 33 against a 32, so it was real toss-up. I guess the only thing we don't know here is, did Teddy Long get interfered, or did woman happen to flash one of the uh, Hase or Kinsuke? 
<laughs> yeah, Doom, Doom is always getting my vote, so I'm not surprised I, by this. <laughs> I expected this to be a fairly close matchup. And so this one being 13 to nothing, uh, it's kind of the inverse of the last match where yeah. I thought that one would be closer. And and this one I thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of respect for Ase and Sasaki, I thought, based on the first round. And here we go with a clean sweep. I think this this is your team, Jamie, that could eliminate the Road Warriors, though, is Doom. Uh, we're going to find out next round. Yeah. yeah, this very well could be the end of the Road Warriors. I think it's uh, quite a possibility. But I think the reason, again, I didn't see a shutout coming here, but most of the voters, at least from my knowledge of the voters, aren't that familiar with the complete Japanese wrestling, especially from the 80s. Right. Yeah, right. Makes sense. Which I was going to say, I was kind of surprised with the support that the Japanese teams got in the first round. Right. Don't worry. I'm going to vent about this later on. So. <laughs> All right, we will move forward then uh, to the next matchup. This one was hotly contested. The number 16 team of Wings, Owen Hart and he who shall not be named, against the number 80 seed of the Guerrero Brothers, Chavo Classic, and Hector. 7-6, to six, the team of Wings is moving on. I think match-wise, this might be, if you look at all the matches, this one might be the actual one of the best matches of the first, just technical wrestling-wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this would have been like a, if it was on a card, it would be an opener <laughs> or a semi-main. Agreed. Yeah, it all depends on where the, the uh, where the match was. If you're in ECW, it's a semi-main. If you're in WCW, it's the opener. Right, right. But it's going to be a hot one, and it's going to get people's attention. Sure. Oh, ab- yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like looking at that. I mean, that one was kind of tough. Got to give props to Owen, at least, if not the other half of the team. So Yeah, this is definitely one where the people that didn't participate could have definitely changed the outcome of this match. Yep. Most definitely. I think there's a good case to be made. The Guerrero brothers could have won had we received just two or three more votes. Agreed. Yeah, so the team of wings will be moving forward now. And the next matchup, the number 17 seed, the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane against the 81 seed of the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon. And this was another one man close to call. Eight to five, Taker and Kane are moving on. A lot of manhood in the ring on this one. <laughs> yep. Big definitely reinforced the ring. Yes. <laughs> Katie, bar the door. In yep. the work of the great Gorilla Monsoon. That's right. That's right. They reinforced the ring for this one. Talk about it's a sea of humanity. I imagine Typhoon would probably be taking a double choke slam or something because it seemed like whenever the natural disasters lost, if they ever lost him by something other than a count out, Typhoon was always the fall guy. So Yeah, but then, you know, they would have gone for the double choke slam and he would have accidentally fell out and <laughs> hit his head on the mat and that would have been, you know, they would have just had to stand on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> poor, uncle, poor Uncle Fred. <laughs> and the thing is, every time you hear about Fred Ottman, he's like the nicest dude you're ever going to meet. Yeah, he is. I've, I only met him once. I met him when he was Big Bubba in Memphis. That was before anybody knew anything about him. So he's Tyson, just a real nice guy. So would Tyson come out with the Stormtrooper helmet to counteract Kane's mask? Would that be how that would go? No, because Vince wouldn't acknowledge another uh, wrestling group at that point. True. I was one of the eight that voted for Kane and The Undertaker. I, well, so did I. I, I went with him. Yeah. This was one of those matchups where I feel like 
like it was a foregone conclusion because there wasn't much chance of the natural disasters moving on, really. I think had world's greatest tag team, Haas and Benjamin, won in the first round and faced Brothers of Destruction here, maybe we would have seen a different outcome. Possible. But the blind draw nature of the first round where nobody knew what the next round matchups would be probably played a part there. However, here we go. If you look forward a little bit, it could be Kane and Taker against the Road Warriors. Or Doom. Or Doom. It's going to be hell of a match either way. Of course, they got to get by he who will not be mentioned and Owen Hart first. Did you guys watch that thing I posted on Facebook with Paulie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Paul, he didn't hold back. I, I, he did not. That, I have to give him credit. He wasn't wrong. Yep. Firm but fair. Right. Yes. They also did a good job. I didn't realize because I haven't seen the Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon. Listen to me. Shout out to Dave Jordan. <laughs> the Dark Side of the Ring with Chris and Tammy. And apparently Heyman came off looking like a piece of shit, which anybody who knew from ECW, that's exactly what he was. And that Paul was right, but he was wrong. And Barry asked on Breaking Cafe this week, does he get a free pass because of what the work he's doing now, which is arguably the best of his entire career? Yeah. Yeah, he's only a, a step or two above, well, more than a step or two above Benoit, but he falls into that category for a lot of the way he handled ECW. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're looking at his body of work overall in the business, the good probably outweighs the bad, but it's by a slim margin, I would yes. say. Yeah, once he got a check and balance system around him, he was okay. Yeah. Once he stopped bouncing checks, it was even better. Uh- <laughs> I think uh, one thing we always need to keep in mind when we talk about wrestling people is, especially the people who are survivors in the business, no pun intended at all. People who've lasted and had real full careers in the business definitely have a, a slimy underbelly. You mean like guys that mean mug cute six-month-old babies? Eh, I don't know if I'd say he's had a, a long-lasting career in the wrestling business, but... Yeah. Fucking prayer. But you know what I mean? Like people who survive in the business for long periods of time, you know, they don't survive by being nice <laughs> or being on top of the table with everything they're doing all the time. Yeah, the meat grinder kind of runs through a lot of the good and nice people early on. Yeah. Or- that's like when people get all bent out about Flair, like, oh, I can't believe he's tarnishing. I mean, hell, he's, that's, we loved him for 20 years ago. <laughs> and, you know, but who he was for 30 years. We can't expect him to change, man. We can't expect him to change. The guy probably never thought he'd live to be 75 years old or whatever he is now. And he's just going to go to the wheels fall off. Yeah, he's outlasted many of them. Like guys like Harley and Dusty got out. They kind of stopped the road lifestyle. But Rick's just, his lifestyle is not necessarily the road lifestyle. It's the lifestyle of a playboy. <laughs> right. So yeah, I just, just found out recently never uh, pull one on one together. He married Fifi to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had no idea until I re- recently read it. Within the last year or so I read that. But you know, back to back to your comment about wrestlers in general. When I first started hanging out with them there in the late eighties and hearing all the stories that were going on, you know, I felt dirty. Yeah. One of the true good guys in the business and Bobby Oh, yeah, Bobby, and even Jim Cornette. There's nothing wrong with Jimmy. Jimmy was a very good guy. I think Bobby Eaton's like usually in the top three of people you hear about as far as great people. Him and Molly Holly and Owen Hart, who we just talked about in the last match here. Uh, Eaton was definitely one of a kind, that's for sure. All right, let's pick up the ball and try to get a first down here. <laughs> so we've got the number eight seed, the Holy Demon Army, Kawada and Towie, against the 57 seed U.S. Express, Rotunda and Wyndham. And I really think that this team is going to keep pushing of Wyndham and Rotunda. They move on here 10-3. to 3, And uh, they're looking like a tough team to beat going forward. 
Yeah, well, they had more than their WWF run. They still they teamed a little bit in Mid-Atlantic. They teamed in Florida. And once again, this is probably the, the lack of, I apologize, anybody's offended, lack of Japanese knowledge by the voters. This one really surprised me because, I mean, this is two of the four pillars. And even if you don't know a lot about Japanese wrestling, which I can fully admit, I haven't seen a lot of it. But these are names that you would know in Kawada and Tawe. It's true, but mostly, I'm just going to make a guess here. Most of the voters are probably guys that are like your age, maybe a little bit younger, um, that when they first started watching, there was Rotundo and Wyndham on top of the card. Or at least through reputation. You right. even had Rotundo and Wyndham were still, you know, toward the main events going into the 90s. I just, this to me is one I would have expected to be like a, a seven to six or an, or something kind of outcome where it was just real close, not such a decisive outcome here. Yeah, I kind of thought it would go the other way or be really, really close. But like I said, this is one of those momentum builders for the U.S. Express, it looks like. I was one of the three that voted for Kawada and Tawe here. So I'm very Same. surprised. I went with Wyndham and Rotunda here, but I went with it on the basis that both of those guys work Japan and could work that style. And I just chalked this one up to them getting kind of a home turf victory here. Makes sense. All right. So uh, that puts us into the next matchup of the number 25 seed, the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry, against the 40 seed of the Heenan family, Big John Stud, King Kong Bundy. And this was a close one. And maybe the Briscoes pulled a smooth one and stole Heenan away from Stud and Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they got the win here, seven to six. Briscoe Brothers pulled one out. You know, most likely you're probably right. Little outside interference where he turns on Bundy and Stud and helps the Briscoes win. I like the thought process there. I can see Heenan seeing that there's more money to be made with Jack and Jerry going forward. And there's a lot of money to be made in the next round matchup between the Briscoes and Rotundo and Wyndham. Yeah. So, so does that mean Heenan keeps hopping from team to team? That'd be kind of funny. He keeps hopping from team to team as <laughs> through the tournament uh you, you could say it <laughs> that'd be an interesting way to watch it play out you gotta rem- remember that for next week brain, he isn't the brain for nothing and it's like him in the 92 rumble changing his pick every entrant and this is another one of those matches seven to six it could have gone differently that was keenan's finest moment in the wwf yes it was agreed agreed him him shrieking at the top of his lungs all i don't know how he still had a voice at the end because that was insanity that might be the single greatest night of announcing by one person that i've ever heard i wouldn't disagree with that agreed i bid your heart pressed i mean if somebody wants to find me another one i'd be willing to listen next match up here this is one that uh <laughs> 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 but the number nine seed the emerald crush masawa and kobashi <laughs> For 73 seed, fabulous free birds of PSAs and Jimmy Jam Garvin. And the birds pull one out, eight to five. That's a major upset on this one. Oh, yeah. I had the crush going on. But this definitely opens up the bracket going forward. (laughs) Okay. So this is going to play into where the match is. Because if it's in the United States, you better believe they're going to fake birds to go over. And I'm sorry, if it was Hayes and Gordy, I would have given them a fighting chance against Masao and Kobashi. Because yeah. Jim Gardner would have got murdered with the two of them in the ring. I'm sorry. And they would both would have been selling their asses off. Are we, the only thing I could think of was some sort of ref bump 
or over the top rope rule. I don't know if we're employing the over the top rope rule or something like that. Misao and Kobashi, who I thought were going to go really far in this tournament, would lose to that incarnation of the Freebird. Well, either that or we get a little precious action with her, with the hairspray in the eyes of, uh, I guess, Misawa in this one. And they roll him up from behind and Hayes holds him <laughs> onto the trunks and you get a quick count from Tommy Young. Yeah. That's that's how I'm choosing to look at it because I can't imagine any other scenario than outside interference to yeah, deliver. Birds would have had to find a way to win the match without locking up, <laughs> or they would have ran ninety percent of the time because you, better, because you better believe if they had gotten their hands on them, the match would have been over. Because neither one of them, I firmly believe that there had to be some sort of chicanery involved, and that's the only reason this happened. I mean, it's also possible Precious distracts the referee by lifting her shirt up, and then we get Bad Street and Little Richard. Marley hit the ring <laughs> and club each emerald crush over the head with something. And then, of course, the Freebirds run away and all their minions will take, you know, the burning hammer and the tiger driver and everything. Right. And exactly. Then, then, then Maybe even Big Daddy Dink gets to take a bump here. I mean, <laughs> Kobashi would probably even Larry at Tommy Young for good measure. So, and Tommy could have sold it probably better than Hazer or Garvin could have. I was so mad. That was the one that got me all fired up. I actually yeah. forgot what time I read it. I think it was before 10 a.m. I was ready to blow Mike's phone up like it was like the end of the world with <laughs> Misawa and Kobashi losing to the damn Freebirds because I wanted to see them against winner of the next match. Yes. Yeah, same here. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think some of this might be the result of people seeing the bracket now. <laughs> now, I could buy this result if we were talking 88 Garvin Hayes as a team. Not as the Freebird, just when they teamed up in early 88. Because I thought they were pretty good. Not as the Freebirds. They were done. Once they brought Jimmy Jam back as a Freebird, it was over. I don't know. It wasn't when they were as the Freebirds when Cornette said that they were doing their best Road Warrior impression and no selling everything for everybody? Yes, it was. Maybe that is the version that we have here. It's the version they're not going to sell and going way overboard on the facial makeup right and the excessive second rope finger pointing <laughs> well as long as michael got his moonwalk in that's all that matters <laughs> that's probably how he kept getting away from him he'd keep moonwalking backwards <laughs> the japanese were unfamiliar with the walk of the moon <laughs> I'm sure Michael Jackson was over in Japan, but Michael Hayes wasn't. So he had him the photo. <laughs> yeah, didn't Hayes even pull off the one glove thing there for a little bit? Yes. Or was it Jimmy that did the one glove? One of them did the one glove thing there for a little bit. I, I remember uh, Rene Goulet used to wear the Michael Jackson glove for a while. <laughs> Michael Jackson stole that from Rene Goulet. <laughs> Well, it started with like a like a racquetball glove or whatever, and then it once a thriller hit, he started rocking out with the glitter glove for a while. Right, he switched from the black glove to the glitter glove. <laughs> shout out to Rene Goulet. Yeah. Former WWF tag team champion. That's right. And shout out to Robert Goulet for no reason except that Robert Goulet was awesome. <laughs> yes, he was. Robert Goulet. <laughs> shout out to Will Ferrell for his Robert Goulet impression. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One of the best impressions he ever did. All right, let's move on now. We got uh, the number 24 seed, FTR, Dax and Cash, against the number 88 seed, Powers of Pain. And this one ended up 10 to 3, but I could see this just being one hell of a good match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought the vote would have been a little bit closer in this one. But you are right. This would have been one hell of a match because Dax and Cash could have really put over the power of Barbarian and Warlord. Mike is hoping that it was three different people. That way he'd keep whittling down his Christmas card list <laughs> this year. <laughs> I am one of the three that took the powers of pain. Jamie once again gets a pass for picking against FDR the second round in a row. Because Jamie um, has conditions to make sure those Christmas cards don't get delivered at all, fool. <laughs> <laughs> 
match ending like Starcade 87, the Warriors against Tully and Arn. I could see the match like playing out like that. You know, just the big guys doing their power stuff, looking super dominant, FTR selling their asses off. I don't want to say they, they get a fluke win, but, you know, the big guys are clubbering and clobbering their way through. They get distracted easily because they got little tiny brains and FTR gets a quick roll up on them or some double team move, something, you know, they catch them. I can see the power of pains colliding somehow and then FTR rolling them up for the pin. Right, like they just march through with their power and then their brains fail them. <laughs> right, but a great analogy. When I was thinking about this match, that's exactly how I thought about it against Tully and Orn. Yeah, like Jamie said earlier, FTR would have made Warlord and Barbarian look great. Oh, yeah. This match, you know, bumping and selling their ass off for them. But at some point, you're going to get the craftiness and the cerebral game of FTR. You know, they're going to they're gonna catch them somehow, cut the ring off, start making those quick tags, working over a leg or something like that. And under Melcher's new scale, it might have been a five-star match. <laughs> the ending could have Dax stealing Fuji's cane and waffling one of them with it or causing right. a DQ or something like that if you really wanted to get slick about it. so Yeah, like, the, uh, oh, what was the finish that uh, the Hearts and the Nasties did at WrestleMania? With the uh, motorcycle helmet? Or maybe I'm thinking of the, a different match, but somebody threw the megaphone in or whatever it was, and it was intercepted. Right. Like you could see like Fuji's yeah. cane coming in and Cash or Dax intercepting it and then clobbering one of them, one up in them, basically. Or if you want to use the Paul Jones version of the team. Yeah. Paul Jones throwing his uh, cane in the ring. Right. He's Paul still Jones the cowboy Jones. when he had them. He hadn't gone to the riding crop thing. Paul, Paul Jones throwing himself in the ring and being used <laughs> as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Paul. He was an excellent wrestler in his time, too. It's a shame that only people remember the pitiful manager that he was. I am disappointed that we didn't get Masawa and Kabashi versus FTR in round three. I, know, I, I was really looking forward to that match. Matchup. However, I swear FDR had better beat the Freebirds if, in if, this if, matchup coming up in round three. If the Freebirds beat FTR after beating Emerald Crush, Mike will know how I felt when I saw that utter despair and whatever you are smoking, I want some of that. Okay. <laughs> I'll know that Michael Hayes is in charge of the booking of this tournament. That's how I'll know. <laughs> if the Freebirds go up for here. I will stand yeah. behind Michael Hayes and cut off his mullet like the plane ride from hell. If, if FTR loses to the Freebirds. Because, you know, looking forward, we have the potential for FTR versus Rotunda and Wyndham or FTR versus Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Tell me that's not a fantastic matchup for the fourth round of this tournament. I'll that could headline an ROH pay-per-view. I'd pay for it. I actually think that is my next round prediction. I think I voted in such a way that it would be FTR against US Express, but we'll see. We will see what happens. All right, let's pick it up and put it down here. We're moving on to the next matchup. The number four seed, Miracle Violence Connection, Gordian Doc, against the 68 seed of Evolution, Ric Flair and Batista. And the MVC, pretty convincing win here, 11 to 2. I expected them to roll, and the result shows that. Yeah, unfortunately, it would be Flair that does the job in this one. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. And, and he would be happy to do it. Yeah, yeah, because he was... Absolutely. He was basically almost done at this point. Just stop knocking Gordy from suplexing the hell out of him all night, I don't think. I think but. Flair's probably the reason they got the two votes they got here. Just respect, because Flair and Batista won the tag titles at one point as a team. But 
the fact that they got out of the first round surprised me. So yeah, I really thought the Rougeos would have won that matchup, but right. I well, I mean, think about Monster Batista going to war with Gordy and Doctor Death. Though I mean, that was at the point when they realized, holy shit, we have something with this guy. He's big. He can move. And this before Dave started getting injured every other week, right? Where he was friggin' awesome week in and week out. That that excited me when I thought about. It. I'm like, man, I said him and Doctor Death trained sledgehammer blows back and forth. But yeah, Flair would probably take the stampede and take the pinfall, which is fine. Think about if if they had made the teams here, Flair and Wyndham. Ooh. You know, so now we're talking 88, 89 Flair window against Williams and Gordy of what, 90, 91, 92. My vote would have been different. I can say that for sure. That, that would have been real interesting. Yeah, interesting. Let me, I wanted to bring something up that I'd forgot at the beginning. Uh, we kind of put a bunch of heat on cage match <laughs> last episode with the ranking system. I wanted to point out they don't actually have the teams ranked one, two, three, four, etc. They have each team ranked on a 10 point ranking. They ranked them between a scale of one to 10. And like the number one seed of the LOD was like 9.93. So I ranked them in the order of what their number out of 10 was. So that's where the seed numbers came from. Okay, well, it's still them coming up with that number. So you did an excellent <laughs> job just following their their. Yeah, thing. it was a crazy notebook of, it looks ridiculous, dude. <laughs> well, let's give them heat anyway. Somebody has to take, take the fall for everything. Yeah, yeah, why not? It's all yours, Cage Match. But I just wanted to point out how we came up with the seeds in case anybody wanted to send them hate mail or whatever. We can send it for the right reasons. Right. That's it. Buy a stamp, send it to Cage Match, find out the address, mail it that way, not email. Right. Can be employed for another year and a half, please. Yes, please. Man, I spent a lot of time in the post offices back in the tape trading days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so did I on my days off. <sighs> All right, uh, let's push this thing forward. Uh, that takes us to the number 29 seed, the other Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark, against the number 93 seed of the Sheep Herders, Luke and Butch. And this one, I could just see this being like the funnest match on the card or being like the most brutal match on the card. Right. Either way. But the Briscoe brothers pulled it out 9-4 to four here. I thought the Sheep showed well, but I, I could just see this being a great fucking match. Oh, yeah. I, I see this as a total bloodbath. No matter which version of the sheep herders you want to put in there going back into the 70s version or the early 80 version against the uh, briscoes in their prime it, it would have been an awesome match because not only can they work as you just said but it could have been they could have bled buckets on that match yeah potential show stealer this round oh for sure i think this is the kind of match that that you want in this kind of a tournament yeah just and luckily it's the sheep herders and it's not the bushwhackers it would have right. been real easy for them to to word them as the bushwhackers in, in which case it, it might have been you know a complete Shut out. Right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, then we got the Briscoes moving on with the other Briscoes. So, who knows what can happen? So, next round, Miracle Violence Connection, Gordy and Williams versus Jay and Mark Briscoe. Boom. That is a fun matchup. Holy shit. You just sold out another pay per view. Right. Yep. Pay per view uh, buy rate record. Heck, I could see that one at Kirk and Hall, too. Yeah. It would be interesting to see which team's style dictates the match here. Or it's just a brawl. Just like a non-stop. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is it going to be a, a non-stop brawl, which is more the Briscoes' uh, preferred style, really, I think? Or is it going to be a, maybe a little more technical, where maybe uh, Doc and Gordy shine a little bit? It'll be interesting to see the outcome on this. Yeah, that's what's oddly believable to me, is how the Briscoes could just hang with these dudes in a fight. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's why I was saying last episode, they have that Diaz brothers kind of feeling about them, like, they don't give a shit, they'll just fight you. Right, and they... It may 
not be as physically imposing and impressive as Doc and Gordy, but they're country strong. Right. And that, that counts for a lot. And, you know, and that's a very real makes, thing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And they have that crazy kind of unpredictable nature about them. They, they will do like anything to win. There's matches, Kevin Owens and El Generico, who's now known in some circles as Sami Zayn, have given the Briscoes credit for making them who they are. And you want to see some crazy matches. Ring of Honor from 06 through 08. There are just some crazy fucking tag team matches with them that are still some of the best ever. But then you go watch the Briscoes against the Motor City Machine Gun, and it's like a tag team wrestling like clinic right there. I mean, they could really, really go either way and hang with whoever and make it believable. Indeed. All right, well, let's uh, bump this up one here. And uh, we've got now the 13 seed Bubba Ray and Devon, the Dudley brothers, the Dudley boys, against the 52 seed of the Russians, Uncle Ivan and Nikita, the Russian nightmare. And the Dudley boys pull this one out, eight to five in a close one. The ECW stalwarts. And later, I mean, geez, they were probably in WWE longer than they were ever in ECW, I would assume. Right, I think so. Yeah, but I'm still an Ivan and Nikita guy on this, in this particular I matchup. Just, I just thought the Russians were, they were bad, man. They were scary, too. <laughs> that was at that time when, like, big giant dudes still had that mystique in wrestling. Yeah, well, you know what? For years, I thought Nikita was a, you know, a really big dude. I mean, he's still of decent height, but I thought he was much bigger, much taller than he was. And uh, he probably actually shorter than Devon or Bubba. Yeah, he's like 6'1", six 6'2". Six Both those guys are taller than that. I've stood yeah. next to Bubba. Bubba's taller than I am. I'm 6'2". Yeah, I'd say Bubba's probably legit 6'5", I bet. I would say so. Big boys. I voted for the Koloffs here. I was one that voted against the Dudleys in round one. I think I mentioned a couple of times last episode. I looked at this kind of like the NCAA tournament where you're going to have some surprising upsets. And the Dudleys losing in round one to me was one of those that would have been a shock like a one seed losing to a 16 seed like Purdue this year. And well, I'm anti-Dudley's the rest of this tournament because I wanted them out in the first round. Yeah, I went with Street Profits also in that match. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I think I'm pretty positive. So Yeah, unfortunately, I went with the Dudley's in that one, but I definitely went Ivan and Nikita. The craftiness but, of Ivan, he would have found a way to get it done. Right, and I think you mentioned it last episode, Jamie. You talked about liking the Ivan and Nikita pairing better. It was either you or Drew. I don't remember. I know I did. I, I like the Ivan and Nikita pairing better than the Nikita Crusher Khrushchev pairing. Well, and what you just said there about Ivan being crafty. To me, that's the reason to prefer that pairing. Instead of just having the two bigger, stronger, younger guys, you've got power and the brawn of Nikita, but you've got the brains of Ivan in the ring, too, with this combination. Yeah, and I'm going to assume that somehow Bubba gets the Russian chain away from Ivan and uses it against him. There you go. Get the tables. Uncle Ivan's taking the bump. Yeah, knock him out with the chain and then get Devon, get the table. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe Spike flashes the referee and distracts them <laughs> and gives them the chance to get the the win. Either that like or maybe sign guy Dudley bashes him over the head or, yeah. or dancing with Dudley comes in and does a, his Chief J. Strongbow imitation and distracts Ivan and Nikita. Ivan has <laughs> flashbacks in 1976. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think I told you guys, I'm friends with Chubby Dudley. Oh, really? On a, on a personal Chubby's level. Hot, hot. We used to work in the same um, shopping mall together. Wow. I actually thought you were going to tell me he was part of the U.S. Postal Service as well. No, he is not. But um, he worked in a frame shop. While I was a mailman, I was still working part-time at a local shopping mall doing maintenance and security work. And uh, so I, I knew him through the frame shop. And then, then he became Chubby Dudley. 
<laughs> and now he's living in Nashville, and he has his own uh, little podcast thing going on. Nice. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. What's up to Chubby Dudley? Shout out. A.K.A. Bay Ragney is his real name. A.K.A. Chris Saha. <laughs> Saha wishes. Baldy Dudley. <laughs> I say, uh, you know Chubby Dudley, we know Chubby Zaha. Again, <laughs> I, I think I, Zaha would not be able to compete in this men's division. He'd have to be in the midgets division. <laughs> Stand up when you talk. We please because I heard him at Manfest, but I never looked down, so I don't know if he, he was actually there or not. <laughs> so we please stand up. I am. I am. I'm going to wonder why I've been all over him lately. It goes back to the first one, uh, Fan Fest, when I ran into him, and he goes, "You know what? You're bigger than what your voice sounds like." Unfortunately, he's jealous he's of your appearances on Stick the Wrestling. I think that's what it is. Most likely, <laughs> he's never been a special guest co-host before. Right. Special popular guest co-host. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Zaha would have been like like Kevin Nash in the X Division if he worked with the Midgets in the '80s in WWF. <laughs> I don't know. Skylar Low might have been taller than him. <laughs> I know little Mr. T was. <laughs> Good old body ho ho. Um, Too bad he wasn't at WrestleMania and Bundy could have squashed. <laughs> 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 he fired the first shot. I'm going to finish the war. <laughs> Outstanding midget tag team of Little Beaver and Chris. <laughs> and Bob, you're on the commentary. Man, there's Beaver all over this place. <laughs> Oh my god, the mental image of King Kong Bundy splashing Chris Aha. Oh shit. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> all right, on that note, folks, um, yeah, the rest of the tournament, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. <laughs> uh, oh, Let's get the train back on the track here, guys. Uh, <laughs> number 20 seed, the Eliminator, Saturn and Cronus, against the 45 seed of the Can-Am Express, Furnace and Crawford. This would be an awesome match, and it was a close one, seven to six. The Eliminators pulled it off. I think it may have happened at some point in ECW. I think it might have. Like 97, 96, 97, any time between 96 and 98, maybe, maybe? Uh, it would have been before they went to WWF around WrestleMania 13. It's when they came back as Furnace and Lafon, the Eliminators were long broke up. So maybe it was, because I know they had a cup of coffee in ECW at some point. So I know Furnace and Crawford definitely worked with RVD and Sabu. And they had a, a crazy good match. Yeah. I'm going to be honest here. I blank, and I thought we were talking about Rick Martell and Tom Zeng. Oh, okay. Shout out for Z. And, and I, I voted for them. For but I, I would have still voted for Crawford and Lafon. I was never an Eliminators fan. I thought they had great double team moves, but they didn't like actually wrestle as a tag team. You know what I mean? They just kind of specialized in both of them getting in the ring and doing a quick double team move or a double team setup. Yeah, I mean, their like, finisher was awesome. Good was based on them double teaming. So I guess they didn't have very good psychology is what I'm saying. Okay. I'll agree with that. I was just never a fan of theirs. They came up a little short in that effort. Yeah. I, Furnace and Crawford got my vote on this one, but the Eliminators win the day and that sets up a match of ECW Originals, the Eliminators and the Dudleys. That's third round going forward there. That's still another interesting one. I could see that one going either way. Yes. Either way. So now let's uh, bump this up to the next matchup here. We've got the five seed, Hall and Nash, the Outsiders, pulling nine votes against the number 69 seed. 69 dudes! The Wild Samoans, Afa and Sika, with four votes. And I think the Samoans showed pretty well there, considering how most of the big-name teams are just kind of steamrolling. I was just going to say, it's sad the Samoans aren't 
anymore, so we can't talk about the 69th seed. But anyways. <laughs> I mean, since the only person here that got to see the Samoan in their, quote, prime, it's not a surprise the Outsiders win this one. Even when they were the WWF Tag Team Champions in the early 80s, I thought they were boring. I wasn't scared of them. I was scared of the Moondogs, but I was never scared of the Samoans. Actually, the Samoans were one of the first matches I remember seeing on WOR when WWF was shown on there. And they were actually lost the belts to... I think it was Rocky and Tony. Yeah, that was a great match. Because I remember seeing Tony there, and I was like, hey, he was on Georgia. <laughs> that was right around the time we got our dish. Hey, you missed uh, the Wild Samoans in Georgia. I didn't think they were great there either. They walked out with the national tag team titles, which led to the creation of the Road Warriors. There you go. There's another place in history for offense. Storyline. If they, they don't do that, do we get Hawk and Animal as a team? Right. I mean, you have to have you have to have Matt Bourne get in trouble also, but if they don't, they don't walk out, it doesn't fall to Bourne. And Arn. Yeah, because that's the way it was supposed to go, right? When the Samoans bailed, it was, the belts were going to go to Bourne and Arn, but then Bourne got in trouble too. Right. Which happened quite a bit. Yep. <laughs> It's just funny how some things work. Dark side of the ring. Is that, was that last night or is that next week? Uh, that, was, that was last night. It was last night, okay. I watched a couple of the first two today. The Eddie Graham one, the one with the Grams is pretty heavy. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet because uh, we switched over to that YouTube TV and it doesn't have voice. So I have to get creative to try to find I found it on YouTube, though. Yeah, so they got all those dead links on there, though. That aggravates the crap out of me. Yeah. The two versions I saw ran pretty smooth, except for when the ads pop up. And then right. you just wait five seconds and then click skip ad and, it, you know, it went pretty quick. I've only seen the Chris and Tammy episode so far. Amy and I watched that the other night. I, I was a little disappointed in that one because uh, Dennis Caraluzzo got no love. Yeah, he should have been mentioned. He was the he was the first one to give him a push. He's the one that recommended him to Jim Cornette. And also, they never mentioned that Chris's grandfather was a wrestler. Oh, really? Popeye Richards. Yeah, Popeye Richards. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's cool, though. Yeah, and I looked for myself in the background of some of that early footage, but I didn't see myself. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, so, I'm on ECW forever, so I, I can't complain. There you right. go. In perpetuity. <laughs> Jamie Ward is better than Hat Guy. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, but he's more famous than I am. Well, but I did sit next to him one night, and we had a nice conversation. He was actually a decent guy. Okay, not DCW Arena at a at a Chubby Dudley show of all places. Okay, all right. So the Outsiders move on, and that brings the next matchup: the twenty eight seed Steamboat and Youngblood against the thirty seven seed Slaughter and Carnoodle in a rematch of the final conflict. And Steamboat and Youngblood once again get the Duke nine to four. Nothing yeah, I imagine Rick pins Carnoodle uh, with a cross body block. Sounds right to me. Yeah, nice to say win and now Steamboat and Youngblood move on to face Holland Nash which would actually yeah. be a good match it will it'll be interesting to see how close the voting is on this one I my gut says the outsiders are going to win handedly but we'll see they shouldn't but I I would be fine if they do win just based on voting trends that's my guess and I can see Nash not selling for Steamboat when we get there right that's a heck of a nice crossbody can't wait to kick out of it I'm telling you though if you <laughs> think about it you get that early wcw just jumping over scott hall and prime mid-atlantic ricky steamboat in there for five minutes stretch of the match that would be fantastic oh yeah because hall could still work early on when they jump yeah just before he, he got was, swallowed yeah, right yeah before he ran into issues he was a good worker. Yeah. Match to look forward to. <clears throat> All right. So moving forward, we've got the number 12 seed Demolition Axe and Smash with an 11 to 2 drubbing of the 76s 
six seed of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, the dream team. That's a real shame because Valentine and Beefcake were actually a pretty decent team. Yeah. Not that they would have won this one. Action Smash deserved a win, but I could have seen this vote being a little closer. Yeah, I think Demolition being a 12 seed, that, I think we mentioned it last week, that that feels low. I mean, they didn't have that long of a run as a team but they were so dominant. Plus, as we, we kind of said, some of these teams, it seemed like their singles runs played into the rankings also. So, I don't know. To me, Demolition's a dark horse team to win the whole tournament. I'll agree with that. They've showed very well so far. Yeah. And maybe we'll get that dream matchup at the end of a Road Warriors Demolition. <laughs> well, I think the possibility of an Outsiders Demolition match in the fourth round is very interesting. Oh, yeah, because Bill Eady isn't putting up with their shit. Although, I'm going to say a, a Youngblood and Steamboat versus Demolition match, while it would be a completely different style match, would also be fantastic. That would definitely be a more old school, you know, cut and dry, face versus heel dynamic. I think it right. would be right. amazing. Yeah. But to me, that's what separates Demolition from the Warriors right there. The Demolition can work a match with Jay and Ricky or the Rockers or the Hart Foundation or the Bulldogs. They can work, whereas the Warriors have to be worked with. <laughs> and that's why yeah. I've always said the Road Warriors were the better act and they were probably more over. But Demolition was the better tag team. And it's and amazing I how far, um, I'm going to call them, Darso came along because if you see him when he first in Georgia mid South in 83, you don't think this guy has a future at all. Right. And then Bill Watts does something with him, makes him crush a Khrushchev. And then when he gets to Crockett is really where he learns how to work. Well, and I wonder how much of that was just being around Ivan. Oh, absolutely. And just learning from him and, you know, getting little tips and, and things like that. I mean, that, that really probably sped up his development. Because he certainly didn't learn how to work from uh, Nikolai. Right. Yeah. I mean, Nikolai was solid as a strongman, mm -hmm. but he wasn't, you know, look, looking back, he wasn't the most pure worker right. in the world. A good, strong guy, but um, so you're right. He gets teamed up with Ivan, and Ivan, you know, city to city, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Right. They worked a lot. He worked a lot with Nelson Royal, I think, when he first went into Mid-Atlantic area. Of course, yes. he was getting, going over, but a guy like Nelson could lead him to the trough so he could drink. Oh, right. Exactly. And they worked a lot with uh, rock and roll there for a little bit. Yep. Yeah, and how much amazing credit to those guys. I mean, the rock and roll's first match in the territory for the belts against the Russians, and they put on a great match. And that was actually some, some ballsy booking by Dusty in that one. I mean, right. a lot of people rip on Dusty, and I'm, I'm one. I'm not like to do my dusty imitation and talk about how you know he always puts himself on top and things like that but he knew what to do with the card from top to bottom without a doubt me and my and muffler that, and, and that that was a ballsy move here there's a team that i don't even know if they had btrs coming in ahead of time i'm just drawing a blank they may have but to put the titles on on their first night great move and then bring in the midnights right on their heels and keep them separated for eight months right that mid 80s time period though the after mags were such a big deal everywhere that even if you hadn't seen seen Ricky and Robert in action, you know, a lot of fans had probably seen them on the magazine stand and were at least familiar with, I would say. Exactly. I mean, I was lucky enough to see him start in Memphis. Right. And I could see something was going to develop out of those guys, even though Morton was not much taller than Zaha. Uh, <laughs> I, I could still see the guy had 
had a future. I wish I'd been keeping track of Zaha jokes at the beginning of this and kept a running tally throughout. <laughs> well, when you go back to edit, you can. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I just you I would say that's that for that. next next week. Yeah. I'll do a final tally and we can mention that for the next episode. See if we can top it. See, this is the continuation of my heel turn, Mike. <laughs> Started in loots, continuing on the other ship. It's a long game. It's a, it's a wonderful <laughs> slow burn. That's right. So yeah, demolition's moving on there, eleven to two. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on now to the number twenty-one seed of the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff, against the forty-four seed, the Von Erich brothers. And I really didn't see this one coming. Really, I thought the Hardys would win, but the brothers Von Erich pull one out here, eight to five. I'm, not, su- I'm not surprised by this one, but if we had had those extra votes it may have gone the other way and if yeah, you had the, extra, it and if you had the extra drugs who knows what way it would have went because there's certainly enough to go around in this match well you know they went out and partied afterward there was oh, yeah. probably shortage after this match actually gosh i would say everything in the territory was used up um, as as somebody that voted against the Hardys in round one, I'm glad to see them lose to the Von Erichs here. Although I voted against the Von Erichs in round one also. It really could have gone either way. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin and Kerry were a solid team. I mean, you yeah. could have even put David into that mix. Uh, David and Kevin, and they still should have won this matchup. Right, so we have a potato fest in the next round, potentially, because you know that uh, Edie and Darso will be happy to serve some receipts for all the shots they get from Kevin oh, yeah. and Kerry. <laughs> Kevin and Carrie don't know enough to not hit them hard. And right. they're definitely, like you said, there's going to be receipts handed out. Yeah. Just like Aaron Grafton, receipts, and, receipts, receipts. And all Barry Darso is going to think of is that time when he's sitting there at Lutz having breakfast and some guy <laughs> told him a story about it, his balls falling out during a sunset flip. Oh, over at Sunset Flip Center Continental Breakfast. Two seed, the British Bulldogs against the 66 seed of the acclaimed. And the Bulldogs pulled it off convincing fashion, 11 to two two votes for the acclaim though that's pretty good because i figured the bulldogs would sweep them i did too and i'm glad to see the acclaim get some love here but i don't see much of a scenario where they would win this match so the murder on tv (laughs) scissor me matilda (laughs) that has to be the cold open right there Dude, oh, I just blew up. Oh, man, that's great. I'm like, that better be the cold open for the episode, buddy. <laughs> okay. You guys, we you guys obviously bring the worst out of me. No, no, no sir. Welcome. Not That's not worst. That's <laughs> best. That was fantastic. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as Dynamite's punching him in the face repeatedly. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Hey, listen, Mr. <laughs> Hey, listen, I don't care if it's Captain Lou, Matilda, or Ozzy Osbourne. Me, Mr. Pastor, I'm fucked. I'm fucked in my own hometown. In my okay. hometown. You can kind of redo the old uh, Shockmaster entrance, and but instead Matilda bites Daddy ass. <laughs> <laughs> and Bulldog gets to yell out, Davy Boy gets to yell out, he bit him on the arse. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I actually think this would be a pretty good matchup athletically. Oh, yeah. It would be very entertaining, absolutely. Yeah. But I also feel like Dynamite would probably get mad at some point and somebody would <laughs> yeah. take off. And with the scary part is, you know, the Acclaim would be introduced first, so Bulldog would have plenty of time to get to their gym bags and leave them at deposit for when they got back. <laughs> 
That's true. Where are the legs to our pants? <laughs> so this makes the next matchup the 31 seed Los Gringos Locos, Eddie Guerrero in our bar against the 95 seed Ravishing Rick Rude and Raging Bull Manny Fernandez. And this was a close one. Came down to the last vote, seven to six. Los Gringos Locos move on. And that and puts which, them in the next round against the Bulldogs. Which they probably should win, but I could see uh, Rude and Fernandez pulling this off. I love them as a heel team, even with Paul Jones on the outside. I felt that. That one could go either way. I picked Los Gringos Locos when I voted, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in how this one would turn out. Yeah, I think uh, the team of Rude and Fernandez gets more love based on what Rude did as a solo. Right. But like Jamie just said, they were a really good team, especially for how green Rick still was. Right. But man, was a, he was a really good worker for all yeah. of his friends as a human. He was he was really good in the ring when he wanted to be. It would have came down to who could outheal the other, I think. It would have been, can you one, one up this? <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if this match is held in San Diego or LA, the Gringos would probably be the faces in this matchup. Right. And does Eddie pull the the whole feign using a weapon, toss it to Fernandez, and then lay on the mat like he got hit? Yeah, pull him in by DQ. Yeah, I love that spot. No matter how many times it happens, I still pop for it because every time, every time. Every single time, because I didn't pop huge when Eddie would do it, but you know, I, I still do it. It's never gone away. The magic of that spot has never gone away. So brilliant. It's so simple, but so brilliant. Makes you kind of wonder why it took so long for somebody to use it on a consistent basis. Right? Yep. That's the key to us to using a finish like that is not overdoing it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe actually, maybe they hold that in the bag for this matchup with the Bulldogs. I could just see this being an amazing match. Oh, yeah. Especially if we're talking early Bulldogs uh, before they both started getting so big and they were a little more athletic. And before Dynamite looked. That was fine right there. When right. Dynamite hurt, that's when Davy Boy blew up and when Dynamite slowed way down. Davy got bigger, Dynamite got smaller. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like Bryson and Zaha. Bryson's getting bigger and Zaha <laughs> getting smaller. <laughs> Yet his cranium grows. Yeah. You know, the weird thing is you see pictures of him and you imagine this massive head and it's sitting on his shoulders. His head is actually fairly normal sized. He just has such a small body and frame. Yeah, it's like on him. You know, he actually tried to sue the makers of Megamind for trying to make his life story and not. <laughs> Not not giving him any of the uh, proceeds or the profits, rather. I know this is the tag team episode, but you guys got to consider making this the Zaha episode. <laughs> he actually has to listen to the podcast so first before we consider such a thing. Well, I'll keep ripping on it, and then somebody will tell him, and maybe I'll listen. One of Mike's many, many duties is going to be to keep the running tab of how many times we rip on him per episode. And then in the hashtags that we list for the episode, which is one of my favorite parts, he just throws the number in there. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> hashtags show up in the description. I have no idea what happened on uh, episode nine, why they were missing. Dude, I freaking love those hashtags. There, there's some in there that really popped me. So I had a great long list put yeah, together. And podcast addict. I didn't see it on either one. Yeah, it just, it was completely gone from the description on Spotify. And I don't know if maybe there's a character limit and I went over it because I had them all typed out and there were quite a few because I, you know, I had so many bands listed for the top five American rock bands. Right. And, but I had some really good ones for the Goonies discussion, like Mama Fratelli drove by my house. <laughs> she did while I was talking to Spiker yeah. on the and she drove right by and there was some gold in there. Like I say, there's always gold in the hashtags and there's always money 
in the banana stand. Yep. Always. So Always. read them. Yeah. I started out just trying to pop Spiker. For <laughs> Let's get back on the, the train here and move on. We got the 15 seed of the Usos, Jay and Jimmy, against the 50 seed of the Fabs. And this was another one. Nailbiter came down to the last pick. Seven to six, the Usos edge out the Fabs. Well, I know I went fab in this one just because of the videos they did in Memphis. <laughs> so, so, so it's actually funny because the Usos always say, we the ones. Well, they were facing the ones. Yeah. The Very true. Yeah, yeah I, I Usos here. I did too. I think it would have been a, a great match with these two teams in their prime. But and I did, I did like the potential for Stan Lane to face the Midnight Express in the next round. Exactly. The way the way the brackets went. So I debated going with Fabs, but I also like the Usos as a modern team that can move fairly deep into the tournament. I don't know that a lot of the modern teams, I'm not even sure how many modern teams are actually left, but they're one that I feel like has a potential for a long run in the tournament. I mean, depending on your definition of modern, so far the teams we've covered, you have one, and that's FTR. Yeah, I would say the Briscoes, Jay and Mark, were yeah. a mock team because yeah. they, I mean, they're they're not a, a currently active team, of course, but they were, I would consider them a modern team. But yeah, there's not a lot of modern teams left, and the Usos are one I feel like you can look at and you can end up with good matchups going forward through the tournament with them if they continue to advance. Agreed. Because they are fairly versatile, and my voting a lot of times I've got my booker hat on and I'm trying to figure out what what matches would I want to see what if I was booking this tournament what matchups am I wanting to see going forward and the Usos present a lot of fun potential matchups I think agreed I've been kind of doing the same thing with the booker hat but I've just been kind of looking at the matches as an individual match like how would I book this match right. not necessarily thinking about even what's next just like how would I get a, a finish that's not insulting to the guy doing it that still makes sense and is going to be awesome I'll give you a finish for this match. Roman Reigns beats the hell out of Jackie Fargo at ringside. That distracts Kern and Lane, and one or the other gets rolled up by Nuso. There you go. Solo runs in and hits a spike on one of them. Solo could have given a spike, yes. I haven't gone as far as to book all the way to the finals to figure out who I would have facing FTR <laughs> if I was booking the tournament. I, I like the finish Jamie has here. I, I think that would be a, a good way for it to go. I suppose they could do the twin magic kind of switcheroo. Yeah. To well, they haven't done that in it's years, so it, it all depends on which version of the Usos you want to talk about. Are, right. are we are we going to go back into the early two thousands when they're or later two thousands when they're feuding with the Shield, or right. do you want the more present day Uso since they joined the Bloodline? I was kind of thinking of them as the Bloodline right now. They're Zenith right now. Well, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody <laughs> as a team because well, I, okay, I know by the time this airs, Mike, everybody will have seen. No, Drew doesn't watch the weekly television, but yeah, there's. There's no more Usos in the bloodline. I mean, in England, England where that pay-per-view is, it's going to be a match between the four of them. Yeah. yeah. This is something that I said going back, I don't know, after Elimination Chamber, maybe, where I kind of felt like, or no, it was after WrestleMania, after Cody didn't defeat Roman for the title. They're heading in the direction I kind of anticipated and expect. My guess is that next match is where we see Solo leave Roman all by himself. Something will happen. Sooner or later, it has to happen. Yeah. And... I mean, my prediction, I'll put it here now, will be next Monday we're recording our Money in the Bank preview show, but 
I'll say my prediction here is the Usos win at Money in the Bank. Solo probably takes the pinfall or costs Roman the match, and Roman directs his anger at Solo, and either Roman attacks Solo and the Usos make the save on their baby brother, or Solo stands up to Roman and leaves him in the ring, which leads to Jey Uso versus Roman at SummerSlam. Or do you have Jay? and I don't want us to dip into this too much, actually, no, this episode will not drop. Right, this will come out after. This will yes. come out after yes. Money in the Bank. This will drop after. Sorry, I was got my weeks mixed up. Um, do you do you really have Solo eat another pinfall out? Because I, I don't think I don't think you're doing anything major with him. Or do you goad Roman because Roman's not going to want to give any of them a title shot. Does Roman finally take the pinfall in the tag team match to set up SummerSlam? He is so pissed off that he finally got pinned. If Jay pins him, Jay says, "I did it once. I'll do it again." Put the title on the line. We'll find out. Yeah, old school booking says to do it that way. I don't think Solo turns yet. I think that happens closer to WrestleMania for next year. Or I think you make that the hook at SummerSlam is what the Solo do in the main event. Because, I mean, you're not going to get a bigger match right now. You could have him do the job and then have tension between the two. Yeah. And then he completely turns. Like Solo watches Roman get pinned or something. Right. I think they're going to leave that as a rematch that they might be able to stretch out to Survivor Series with Jay and Jimmy. Yeah, but that's possible. I kind of feel like they ended at SummerSlam and, and Roman takes a couple of months off and then comes back, maybe. That's possible. Also. But I think, the, I know we're talking modern here, but I think the Usos are eventually the reason Kevin Owens and Sammy split up because Sammy gets too friendly with the, the Uso bro. Possible. Definitely possible. I'm enjoying yeah. moody Kevin Owens though. Like the temper tantrum Kevin Owens. I love that. Angry Kevin Owens is my spirit animal. <laughs> I, I say that every week when we're watching a Raw or SmackDown here at home. It's funny. It's like, like, this is it right here. He's so friggin' funny when he does it, too. I, I yeah. always pop whenever I see him come on camera and he's just so pissed off. I'm like, this is tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> So the Usos are moving on seven to six over the Fabs. And now that leads us to the number 18 seed, the Midnight Express, Bobby and Dennis with James E. Cornette and a 12 to one route over the Nasty Boys. I think the Midnight's stand a very good chance of going very far. So, yeah. although, I mean, they could surprise us next week, them and the Usos, which I think would be a fucking off the charts, incredible match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I thought the Bobby and Dennis version was better than the Bobby and Stan version. Bobby and Dennis had better matches. Bobby and Stan were more entertaining. Bobby and Stan were the better team, but again, Bobby and Dennis were having the better matches, I feel. If I thought Bobby and Dennis got better heat. Yeah. Like people people yeah. to fucking kill Bobby and Dennis. Yeah. You know, when it became Bobby and Stan, they went from having the hottest match to the best match. Right. They didn't get the same heat. Now, Jamie, do you remember this is way back when? Do you remember Condry and Phil Hickerson as a tag team together? That's actually before my time. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I think Stan Lane brought kind of the cool factor to the Midnight yeah. Express. They didn't have the heat anymore because people liked them too much. Yeah. Right. And the same flair ran into around 87. Well, people like, just wanted to cheer him. They wanted to cheer the Midnights. Yeah. And I mean, I was there in Philadelphia when, you know, basically once Stan joined the team and, and even before a little bit with, with Dennis, Philadelphia became a heel town and the Midnights were just 
over like you guys wouldn't believe, along with Flair, Wyndham, Tully, Orn. Right, right. So you know what? Since you mentioned that, and I don't remember if you commented on the post in the group or not, Jamie, what was your favorite Horseman uh, version? Oh, the original. Okay. I, I, I love Barry, Wyndham, but um, I like Dolby better. That's fair. It actually seems like in the conversation that everyone's kind of split between the original and then between the Barry, Tolly, Arn, Flair combination. Those are, those are the two that get the love. No, yeah, none of the other versions really do. Luger was wasn't the, ready for it. I know why they did it because Oli was getting out and they wanted to get Luger some experience with good workers, especially in the, in the tag team matches. But Oli has the rock. Yeah. I, I just thought was he he was the anchor that made that horseman uh, conglomerate go. Yeah, and the the thing with Luger, it, it did work booking wise by having him come in, be a member, leave the group, team up with Wyndham, and set up Wyndham's turn. Then I mean, from that standpoint, it played out okay. But he wasn't a good fit in the group. Yeah. I, I said uh, I was never a big Luger fan to begin with. See, I like the Luger group because he kind of helped balance the horsemen against all the muscle heads at the time. You had the Warriors and Nikita and all these dudes that just seemed to dwarf the horsemen all the time and made them seem like they were just getting pounded on all the time. And then Luger kind of even the scale a little bit from a size standpoint and from a look standpoint. He looked right. good in the suit. <laughs> you know, he actually fit the part pretty well. And he was just naturally arrogant enough as a, a gym bro or whatever the hell he is. Right. <laughs> but the reason I, I really liked the Holy version too was that that allowed Tully to be a single and Tully was allowed to shine and win the U.S. title and be the TV champ just to be this awesome heel. Whereas once Ole left the group, Tully became a tag guy, which don't get me wrong, it was still badass and awesome with Arn, but I really love Tully as a single too. But by that point, Tully had ran his course as a single pretty much because he had been there since early 84. Yeah, he had ran through with Wahoo and Dusty. Right. And and the early Magnum TA feud. The the only thing left for him to do was challenge Flair for the world title at that point. Right, he'd had a turn turn face. I would have had Flair turn face, but that's right, right. That's another argument for another day. There just there wasn't anything left for Tully to do as a single, and he and Arn, and they're my all-time favorite tag team, and I think they were just a fantastic pairing. And they didn't and lose a step when they got to the WWF. No, no. If anything else, I think they actually were better with Heenan than they were with JJ. And actually, that makes me think even more kudos to Tully for doing everything he could do and, for lack of a better term, being regulated to tag work and still being over like Rover and relevant as hell the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because usually when guys make their run, they're done. That's some good staying power right there. Yeah, and then Jim Hurd cost us a reunion. Yeah, that fucking Tully, Yeah. <laughs> it effectively ended Tully's career. I mean, I know he wrestled some here and there after that, but it was kind of the end. Fucking pizza-loving dick face. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Usos and Midnight's in the second round gives the potential for a long-time dream match, in my opinion, in the fourth round of Bulldogs versus the Midnight's. That's an excellent statement, a dream match. Because can you imagine what it would have been like if Bobby and Dennis and Cornette would have jumped when they had that meeting with uh, Vince and what was it, early 87? Mm-hmm. Or was it 86 when they met? No, I think you're right, early 87 before WrestleMania. I think that's when that occurred. Yeah, the matches they could have had with the Bulldogs, man. That would have been mind-blowing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, the Bulldogs were pretty well done by that point because Dynamite gets injured at WrestleMania 2 in 86. Well, that's true. I mean, he, he guts his way through a little bit but they weren't the same bulldog team by that point all right so now we are at the number seven seed harlem heat 
Booker T and Stevie Ray against the 71 seed of the North-South Connection, Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis. And this was uh, closer, 9-4. to four. Harlem Heat gets the win. Murdoch and Adonis show pretty well. If we had an executive challenge, I'd be challenging this one. Yeah, I, turning it. I voted for Murdoch and Adonis here, <laughs> I admit. I mean, it, it was a short run, but it was a great run. Yeah, they were great together. Well, but Harlem Heat was a fantastic tag team. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't want to take nothing away from Harlem Heat because they were great. They were, but they weren't as great as Adonis and Murdoch. So I just imagine on this night, Murdoch didn't have his wrestling shoes on and messed around the whole match and tied a load on ahead of time and tied a load on afterwards. There you go. That's the thing with both Adonis and Murdoch. They were both, they could work so good that they could be silly as hell if they wanted to be. Have you guys ever seen the uh, Mean Gene interview where they walk through the streets in New York? Oh, yeah. That is supposedly his all a shoot. All those extra people that were in that. Really? Really? Yeah. None of them were actually WWF employees. They just walked through the street when they filmed it. The lady sticking her head out the window, the wino walking up to him, and he calls him uncle somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, Murdoch and Adonis take the bump here to the Harlem Heat. And then they face the winners of this next matchup here, the 103rd seed, the Rock and Sock Connection, the Rock and Mankind, against the 39th seed of the Skyscraper, Spivey and Sid. And Spivey and Sid pull out a close one, 7-6. to six. Thankfully. On to face Harlem Heat now. I'm thankful for everybody else that voted for the Skyscrapers like I did, because I honestly I did. didn't feel Rock and Sock should have moved on from the first round. So I'm glad that they're done. I voted for them. You voted for Rock and Sock, what, in this match or the first In, in this match. Okay. Because I, I, I'm that one guy that didn't like them as the Skyscrapers. I just wasn't a fan of the team. That's fair. I like Spivey better. I mean, not Spivey and Callis as the better uh, working team. Sid, Sid was just horrible. Sid was entertaining, but he was not a good worker. At this point. Not at all. And a guy who should have never been a horse. I just felt oh. like Yatsu and Choshu should have been in this match, not Rock and Foley. Agreed. Yeah, I'm with it with you on that. In, in that Rock, regard, he cut a promo and they got a win that way or something. I don't know, but I, I can't. <laughs> cactus, man. If this was Cactus, Cactus, I'd be a little more inclined and intrigued. Right, but that era, Mick Foley was broken down and not yeah. not nearly the same worker that he was as Cactus Jack or even when he first came in as Mankind. Because he had some fantastic matches when he first came into the WWF with Sean and with Vader and with Undertaker. Oh, yeah. You know, but by this point, Foley couldn't really do a lot in the ring anymore. And The Rock was just never that good in the ring. He was just charismatic. Yeah, but he was the top guy in wrestling at that point. Well, when they're t- I mean, Austin is coming off injury. Austin has already reached his peak. The Rock is the Hulk Hogan of that time. Right. I would have booked it to where Foley cost him the match in the first round and you get a rock heel turn because nobody would have been more sympathetic okay. than Mick Foley getting turned on by the rock at that point. And then Yatsu and Choshu move on. But that's which is probably what happens here. Rock turns on Mick. Foley in this one. Yeah, because Mick takes the pinfall for sure. I mean, I know we're given a lot of uh, outside interferences and stuff, but you got to think that these matches are taking place the old NWA style all across the country and just not a one night right. tournament. So you can get you can get away with having screw job finishes in the thing. I kinda see the finish as like the rocks holding Spivey or Sid and Mick comes to hit him and they duck out and he clobbers the rock. Mm-hmm. So then later in the match, Mick's selling. Skyscrapers are getting all the heat. He goes for the hot tag and the rock no sells him, jumps off the apron and starts walking to the back and leaves him out to dry and the skyscrapers just take him apart. Yeah, that's a great ending. Yeah. Double power bomb. Holy. Yeah, that leads to a heck of a match next round. Yeah. Harlem. 
skyscrapers. That's some big meaty men slapping meat, right, Spiker? Yes, indeed it is. You beat me to it. <laughs> All right. Now uh, now we've got the 10 seed, Rick and Scott, Steiner Brothers against 55 seed, the Rhodes Brothers, Cody and Dustin. And the Steiners, I, I pretty much figured they would roll here, and they did. 12 to 1. If I'd have known how lopsided this was going to be, I would have voted for the Rhodes Brothers because I did enjoy them as a team. But yeah, the Steiners are kind of unstoppable at this point. Although maybe next round they'll get stopped. Fingers crossed. I mean, the AEW version of the Rhodes Brothers might give the WWF version, or I'll, I'll go Impact version of the Steiner Brothers a run for their money. So it all depends on which versions we're talking about here. But if you're going both of them in their primes, it's definitely the yeah, Steiner. It's the all Steiner's prime. hands down. Yes, Steiner Brothers in a in a steamroller here. So now we got the 23 seed, the Brain Busters or the Horsemen, whichever you prefer. Tully and Arn against the 42 seed of the New Day, Kofi and. Biggie and Telly and Arn almost in a sweep, 12 to 1, to move on now and be teamed up against the Steiners. So that's going to be. Yes. Would have probably been an entertaining match with just the Brain Busters um, using the Andersons motto and working down a body part. Yep. Heading off the ring, working over on Kofi. And not even yep. letting Big E get in. Yep. Taking the knee. Keeping Big E from getting that hot tag and getting into clean house. So, yeah, I this is this is the outcome I wanted. I, I'd like to see the Brain Busters move on against the Steiners. Hell of a match. That's just me. It could sell out any arena in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I mean, that's a pay-per-view main event, honestly. Right. All right. Now we got uh, the three seed, Brett and Jim, the Hart Foundation, with an eight to five victory over the six. 67 seed of the dynamic duo Gino Hernandez Chris Adams pretty close match yeah yeah I picked the duo in this one and it would have been a good match oh yeah this one has to end very similar to the rock and sock match with with uh Gino turning on Chris yeah <laughs> yeah sure for sure maybe not just Chris yeah, accidentally uh super kicks Gino I like that and you know I don't remember how we talked about the hearts on the first episode but to me when I looked at this one I'm thinking face heart foundation yeah. versus Gino and and Chris here. See, I'm picturing Jimmy Hart version. You had the heel version, okay. Yeah, I have the heel version and a double heel match. I was never a big Nightheart guy. See, I always liked but yeah, I, prefer, I preferred him to Brett in the team. In my opinion, it, technically, uh, he was the top technical wrestler in the world, supposedly. Brett made up for the deficiencies of Nightheart. I, I just never... Were, I, I get I get why they were appreciated, but just not my cup of tea. I really feel like this was where Brett was used the best. He was a very good intercontinental champion. I don't think he was the guy to be the world champion, but he and Jim, they, like you said, he made up for any shortcomings that Jim had in the ring. And then Jim was the ball of charisma and energy that covered up for Brett's lack of promo ability. Oh, he was great in promos. D- don't get me wrong. I wasn't a fan of the in work, but Nightheart in interviews was a real pass. And I thought he was passable as a worker in, in the team situation. Like he did the power stuff good where he didn't have to be relied on to do any of the work. <laughs> for lack of a better term, you know what I mean? That's why I thought they were good as a face team because he would get that hot tag and come in and just be able to run guys over. Right, like hit a couple big shoulder tackles, boom, boom, Yep. big clothesline, big clothesline. Yep, I mean, it fit him very well. Then make the tag, Brett comes in, gets kicked in the nuts, and, and sells for a half hour. 
Yep. <laughs> so yeah, the hearts move on eight to five here. The next matchup here, the 30 seed Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow take a four to nine defeat against the 35 seed of the Funks, Terry and Haas or Dory Jr. Whatever you want to call him. I like that you keep referring to him as Haas. Well, well, this, this was the Haas version. No way they're winning this match. This makes me yeah. think Jimmy Jack got involved and helped. Awesome, Terry Wynn. There had to have been something because that's kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. I love Terry Funk to death, but Vader and Bam Bam were monsters. But if you go by reputation, if this is a 70s version of the Funk Brothers, they're going to tear the house down. Yeah. And this is one of the issues that I had with a number of teams throughout the tournament. This is the first one that we've really had a chance to hit on. There's another one coming up. But if you're booking a tournament like this and you're not booking Vader and Bam Bam to maybe win the whole thing, yeah. they've got to go out in an early round some this is where if you're booking a tournament you were booking it yourself maybe you'd have a double disqualification here or maybe a yeah. double it's like carnival style or something like that. You'd definitely be seeing all kinds of double because, this and double that. Because how else are you going to get some of these physically bigger teams out when they're matched up against smaller guys? Otherwise, you would end up, if you're really looking at it, the bigger teams are going to advance more often than not. And you're going to end up with a bunch of big guys at the end. So I voted for the Funks. Uh, n- nothing against Vader and Bam Bam, but some of these bigger teams, they needed to lose early on. So we're not getting too many of them down the, the later stretch maybe marty distracted vader by running her trap and vader got counted out going after marty funk who knows <laughs> she scribbled out his autograph she scribbled out one of bam bam's tattoos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the match i can see uh vader and bigelow turning on each other also here sure a lot of ego on that team agreed see how that the Funk Brothers moving on against the Hart Foundation. Which would be a fun match. Absolutely. Terry Funk will make it so. Let's yeah. see if Mike's love of Bret Hart shows through again. <laughs> oh, I would I would I would pick the Hearts in this matchup probably, uh, just because of, of who I'd pick to win the next match. So there'd be some poetic justice for round four, <laughs> essentially, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Which leads us to that's a hell of a segue, Mike. Uh the fourteen seed, the Midnight Rockers, take a seven to six win over over the 78th seed of the Million Dollar Man and Andre the Giant. I'm glad Mike and I fought the same way. <laughs> I just see this one, like Andre taking the bump where he gets tied up in the ropes. Bob, and the rockers, I was rockers, just thinking the, the, the same, same thing. <laughs> and, you you know, said that. Double fist drop off the top, opposite corners, bang, out of there. Did you say fist drop or fish drop fist <laughs> i i, I could have sworn you said fish drop so now marty and sean throwing salmon off the top rope at andre and depends on where marty was before the match and if he showered or not you, you just get hungry andre baba no i thought you meant on oh, never mind i better not go there yeah. Jesus. <laughs> had to do with sunny but the, there was yeah. there was there was no shortage of that waiting for them once they got back to the locker room i'm sure yeah. i gotta say this is where the blind draw in the first round sucked because we missed the chance for an amazing rematch from WrestleMania 5 of the Rockers versus the Twin Towers in this spot yep. where the Mega Bucks went over the Twin Towers. So I don't know how you get the finish where the Rockers win, whether it uh, you get to Ted early, Ted starts the match and you get to him early. Maybe Jake Roberts comes out and scares Andre off with the snake, leaving Ted by himself. Maybe you get the Virgil turn here. I was kind of yeah. thinking like deal where Virgil keeps interfering at the beginning and the ref throws him out out like 
get him out of here. You know, Virgil has to go to the back. So now Virgil's out of play. And then like the aforementioned finish I, I talked about earlier where they end up, you know, double drop kick, double something to knock Andre back into the ropes where he gets wrapped up in the ropes and hit a move on Ted. And then, like I said, you know, either a double drop kick off the top rope when they used to try those from the opposite corners. <laughs> and right. usually one was a half a second too late. They'd almost end up. never right on that. And DiBiase yes. takes that bump where his head's on the mat and his legs are straight up. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's I'm seeing like the double fist drop. That was another one they like to use. Yeah. Good quick finish. And, and they could make that a quick match too. So Andre's not out there forever looking like a, a truck out of gas. Exactly. Baba. <laughs> yep, that's how they get the drop on Ted. You know, Virgil's getting ran off to the back by the referee. Ted's yelling at the ref and he's got his back to the rockers to catch Andre with something and knock him back into the ropes. He's tied up and screwed. So while Ted's got his back turned, they get the drop on him and hit him with something double team and then yep. hit him with a finisher. <laughs> Bang. Referee turns around, sees the pin, counts it, and you're open. Yep, bing, bang, boom. Then Andre goes and drinks 740 beers and takes a dump the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> so that moves us on to uh, the 19 seed, Edge and Christian, and another nail biter here. Seven to six win for Edge and Christian over the 46 seed, the Samoan SWAT team. Could have very easily going the other way. I voted yeah. for the SST. I think they're extremely underrated. I do too. Uh, so do I. One of my favorite tag teams. And I would have loved to have seen Rockers versus the SST. But I still think we'll get a great match with uh, Edge and Christian and the Rockers. We'll see. I think we're going to get some interesting results. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it would be a fantastic match. And that would be more along the lines of Rockers Bad Company, I would say. But I just I love the the big guy, little guy dynamic the Rockers had with with certain teams. And they could have really done that with the Samoan SWAT team. And they were big. They could move, too. Yeah. Batu and Samu could both work. They were quick. They could fly around. It just would have been a really fun matchup, I think. If you guys ever get the chance, check out the Rockers in Memphis. I want to say it's late 87, early 88. And yeah. they're, in, they're in his heels. Okay. And not that I really ever saw any of their matches, but their interviews are entertaining as hell as heels. I can see that. I mean, because they had the whole kind of cocky thing going on anyway. Yeah. So that's him leaning into it. Yeah. They were there at the same time as uh, Hector Guerrero was there as a heel at the same time. And he had, I think, Rocky Johnson and Eddie Gilbert was there with Missy. Okay. A very good chance. YouTube, just check it out. Okay. Will do. So was this around the time of the Idol and Rich team there? This is after that. Just This was after the where they cut Lawler's hair? Right. Intense. Yeah, I want to say this is late 87, early 88. Because they, they cut Lawler's hair in, what, 86? I thought that was 87. Or, but All right, early 87. It's like April 87 when they, they cut his hair. But was this around the time that Idol was under the hood for the however long it was? maybe just the one episode where he had the award to give to Lawler. That's earlier in the 80s. Yeah, that was like 83. Because wasn't it Hector Guerrero that Lance said to tell him in Mexican to get out of here? Or am I thinking, I'm just remembering that clip from... No, I don't think Hector's there. It might have been Chavo, but it definitely wasn't Hector. Maybe it was Chavo. I couldn't remember. I thought it was one of the Guerreros that Lance told to tell him to get out of there in Mexico. I couldn't remember which one. Which, I mean, had anybody else said it besides Lance would have been highly offensive. But since it's Lance... Right, right, exactly. But nothing was offensive in Memphis in the early 80s. (laughs) Also bad. So I'm looking for hearts and rockers in the fourth round here coming out of matches and the rockers getting the win like they should have been tag champs 
Yep, I was just about to say that. So many great teams in, in the WWF in that 86 to, to 90 era, and Rockers missed their chance there to be. And you have to give Vince credit for not playing hot potato with the belt. Right. I mean, everybody kind of got their shot, but there's enough teams that didn't. The Islanders, the Bees, the Rockers. Well, the Rockers had it, but, yeah, but they never, screwed up and got it taken away. Yeah, that, that rope break was unfortunate. But, I mean, the, like the Rougeaus were an excellent team, and they had yeah. matches for the title. Right, they never got the belt. Never. never got the belts. The Rougeos were really, really good, but I saw them kind of in the same light as like a Bushwhacker team where you knew the Bushwhackers were a great team, but weren't a fun team to watch, but you knew they were never going to get anywhere near the belts. Once they turned heel and went with Jimmy Hart, became the All-American boys, I think they could have got the belts. Yeah, at that point, but it was like they closed the window on it way too fast, seemed. They could have been good transitional champs between face acts. Agreed. Right, not a couple months, that would be about it. Yeah, like they win them at Mania and drop them at SummerSlam something along those lines. Yeah, it would have had to be a thing maybe where the hearts managed by Jimmy drop the belts to the Rougeos who are baby faces and then hearts pissed off or heart even is the one that cost, you know, the Heart Foundation the belts by his interference backfiring. So they're pissed and fire him and he becomes the Rougeos manager and then they become the All-American boys with the belts. Right, which wasn't uncommon at that time for turns in the WWF. So, right. you know, would they be the first thing Incarnation of the American males. <laughs> the all American males. American males. American males. All I know is I've only seen Aaron Grafton imitate the all American boys Rougeaus at Glory Days, never the American males. <laughs> Imagine him coming in with those suspenders on, though. Good Lord. <laughs> American male. American coleslaw. The American coleslaw machine. American slaw. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on here. Number six seed, Hanson and Brody against the 70 seed, Sheik and Volkov. And closer than I thought it would be, 10 to 3, Sheik and Volkov. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I voted for Sheik and Volkov here. I just wanted to rock the boat a little bit. I voted for Sheik and Volkov too, but when I sent you my picks, I put in parentheses, I really want a double disqualification here. Right. Because this is where, like, Hanson and Brody are the team out of everybody, I think, out of this whole tournament. If you're not booking them to win, they need to go out fairly early on because if this was a real-life tournament, how are you going to account for Brody sticking with the plan very long, more than one round or two rounds? And you do the double disqualification so nobody's got to do a job, but it gets them out of the tournament and you don't have to worry about, is Brody going to hold you up for money in the final four or something? Now, that so, is always a worry, but you know in this match that there's no way Hanson or Brody was going to take liberties with the Sheik or Volkov, right. especially the Sheik. The Sheik would have snapped that Jabroni's leg right in half. <laughs> And, and Nikolai was a powerhouse. I mean, they yeah. don't want to mess with Nikolai either. So strong as a bull. Yep. And Hanson and Brody got so pissed they went and sunk some rich guy sub afterwards. <laughs> I still like Hanson and Brody would probably be their normal selves, you know, because, I mean, Stan just couldn't see anyway, so they were going to get hit, but I think there'd be a, a line of respect that Hanson and Brody wouldn't cross, because I think the Sheik and Nikolai would probably be upset if they didn't get hit a little bit hard. But I just, I feel like this was a perfect match for a double DQ, or they're, they're brawling outside and it's a double count out. This was like the perfect place for something like that. To have. Also, could have been a good bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. She liked to bleed. He looked good with the bloody bald head. <laughs> yeah, when he bled against Slaughter in the boot camp match, he was bloody. Well, I always picture that uh, wrestling magazine of him and Koloff in a Mid Atlantic match, in which they're both just full of blood because they had a quick feud in like '82. You know, after oh. blood. 
Yeah, those covers were great, though, man. I mean, they got you to buy the magazine. They caught your attention and yeah. drew you in for sure. Dude, easily from 1980 to at least geez, even today, I'll still, if I'm at like Walmart or Target or whatever, I see the magazine rack. I mean, that's like the first thing I used to do at the store, especially as a kid. My mom, we'd get out of the car, the doors would open. I'd be like, I'll be at the magazines <laughs> straight there. Grocery store, Walmart, drugstore. Yep. Yep. If, if a place had wrestling magazines, that's where I'd be. Yeah, we had a corner drugstore when I was a kid, and I knew what days the uh, magazine deliveries came in. They came in on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. And I begged my mom, hey, can I have a couple bucks and go up and buy a couple magazines? And she never said no. And I'd be there double time if it were wrestling magazines and new comic books. Good luck trying to get me out of there. I'd be that weird kid standing there at the Weiss Market magazine rack for like an hour just checking everything out. So. Oh, man. I Like, we'd go to the mall. I'd just be like, I'll be at Walden Books. Go do whatever you're doing. I'll be sitting here on the floor. Because <laughs> they had like every magazine in there, you know, for wrestling. Everything from all the actors to the WWF stuff to all the uh, like wrestling world from the west coast and wrestling eye and main event like all those like offshoot brands the napolitano mags i guess you'd call them i enjoyed the offshoot ones better than the, the after magazines because they covered yeah. everything once i saw those it was like oh man because they would talk a little inside a little bit you know right exactly that was when i started being like oh there's more oh wait there's more right wrestling gets under your skin you can't get rid of it <laughs> all right next match up here 27 the hollywood blondes and a 12 to one crushing of the 38 seed thrill seekers of Storm and Jericho. Wouldn't have been a good match, but yeah, I can see that going pretty much that way. And that puts the blondes in the next round against Brody and Hanson. Yeah, Jericho and Storm were still just getting their footing at that point in their career working in Smoky Mountain. Not that they weren't exciting, but they right. were still just starting out. I feel like their seeding, well, their rank number out of 10 is based more on their individual work. Right, Jericho especially. Because if you really rank the thrill seekers on what they accomplished as the thrill seekers you're lucky if they're in the the top 128. I was going to say they'd have been in the 100 if you're going by their tag team run. Would have been a fantastic match. Oh yeah, because Austin and Pillman are uh, breaking out into their own here. Even though they're a tag team, both of them just picked their game up to the next level. Right. Yeah, I mean, they weren't supposed to get over to the extent they got over. And then they got punished for getting over. I get the job, Chris. Right. That's where they took two workers who were great at the psychology and the physical work part of wrestling and their charisma at the same time went boom. And my timeline's a little off. Is it Bischoff's in charge by that point? Or is Dusty still booking? Dusty was booking. Dusty was booking. Yeah, this yeah. is like the Jody Hamilton, Dusty, Ole kind of area. Because if, the way I've always heard it was that Dusty didn't intend for them to get over the way they did. They weren't put together to become big time stars as a team. And so once they really got over, then it was like, well, this isn't what we wanted. We're going to split you guys up, put you back in sync. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, then Pillman has to recreate himself all over again right yeah that's one of the greatest what ifs in wrestling history is what if they didn't get chopped off at the knees when they did so yeah my buddy my buddy dave press once upon a time uh predicted steve austin would be the biggest thing in the game you know re replace flair as the man and he was actually right, just not that version of Steve Austin. He, yeah. he thought the, the long blonde hair version of Steve Austin was going to be a really big thing. Well, he, he looked like a star. To me, when he came into WCW, I'm like, this guy has it. He looks like a star. He carries himself like a star. He could work. You know, his promos weren't great then, but they were solid. And I really feel like, and I think I said it last week, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if Hogan doesn't come into WCW, we had a long run of Dustin Rhodes 
and Steve Austin as the top two guys to build the company around that we didn't get. Yeah, that was like uh, Dusty saw them as the next Magnum and Flair, I think. Yeah. Really, they could have carried the company. Absolutely. So now we have, like I said, uh, we got the blondes against Brody and Hanson next round, yeah. which is going to be interesting. I know Spiker and I are both, we're hoping for a particular outcome here. Yes. Yeah, Brody, like I said, it could be interesting. Brody's going to kick they, the shit out of Pillman. So every, everybody get your votes in, all right? Yes, everybody please get your votes in for this match <laughs> especially. Yeah. Even though this is going to come out two weeks right. after the voting's over. Right. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, when Mike listens back to edit these episodes and Mike goes back and listens to these episodes Mike never forgets (laughs) just be warned and Mike will send you pictures of his wife giving you the evil death glare and then you got seven days after that to get your affairs in order she scared Zaha pretty good staring him down (laughs) well she has to stare him down he's got to be three foot shorter than her right (laughs) <laughs> at fan fest last november and that's uh, even better we had we had a whole plan where she was going to no sell his handshake <laughs> he had called here time i was out on a walk with my daughter and i'd left my phone at home and he called me and my wife answered and he hung up now he swears <laughs> Ooh. he swears he didn't hear her voice she said that he was on long enough for her to say hello two or three times before he hung up. So I built it up really well that she was mad at him. And so when he, we were waiting down in the lobby and he came down and he was going to come over and shake her hand and she was just staring daggers at him. She had practiced because she was afraid she'd crack and start laughing when she saw him. So she had practiced a really mean looking face and it scared him enough. He wouldn't even come close enough to try and shake her hand. So. Hey, Drew, I'm pretty sure she's got some Malenko stories too. <laughs> I'd love to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what you needed to say was, well, I'd like to hear the stories, sir. Well, sir, I got plenty of time, sir. Yeah, there was much more interesting people to talk to than that fucking guy. No one else here is sitting around trying to talk to you, so maybe maybe you should take this attention I'm trying to give you. Yeah, oh, I was just yeah. trying to be friendly, man. Yeah. Would anyway, it? enough about that guy. All right, turd. Yeah. Turd. Anyway. <laughs> Number 11 seed, Ricky and Robert, Punk and Hootie, Punky and Hootie, or whatever the hell they call each other, Hoot and Punky. Punky and Hoot. Hootie Hunky. <laughs> Back to Tammy again. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <Booty and> funky. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express with a nine to four win over Death the Roads, baby. Fifty-four team, fifty-four seed, America's team, Magnum and Dusty. And I got Dusty taking the pin here just because the rock and roll deserve it. We know for sure Dusty doesn't have the book. Yep. Vince probably has the book on this one. <laughs> he gonna be wearing polka dots. These little today. guys are pal, but I don't want Dusty doing shit. <laughs> Magnum and Dusty in polka dots. <laughs> That's interesting to, to picture Magnum just rocking out with his polka dots on. Polka dot express. <laughs> They're just some common men. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, rock and roll's moving on. Good showing, nine to four. And they, they deserve to. They're they're the realistically they're the established tag team here so they should be moving on right i mean i wanted them to lose in the first round i voted against them but it's okay i picked them here because there was no way i was voting for dusty this leads us to uh the final match of the second round the 22 seed team of Piper and Orndorff against the 43 seed of RVD 
and Sabu and Piper and Orndorff pull this one out 10 to 3. Which I'm glad to see. I wasn't sure that, that it would go that way. Yes, that puts Piper and Orndorff in the next round with Ricky and Robert. Which would be a fun match, I think. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I could see an upset coming there. Yeah. I mean, you were talking Piper and Orndorff. Whether they were a long-term team or not, you're talking Piper and Orndorff. Yeah, you're talking two main event guys. Two of the top 10 in the 80s. Yeah. Where I don't know... If you're listening, if even as an act, I don't know if rock and roll maybe even gets in that top 10 for the 80s. Right. Where Piper and Orgorf will be there on their own. Right. So this it puts us into the third round now. We'll go back here. We'll recap what's coming up here, what the third round matchups will be. We're now going to have the one seed. The Road Warriors will be taking on the 33 seed of Doom. 16 versus 17 here. The team of Wings versus the Brothers of Destruction. 57 versus 25. The U.S. Express versus the Briscoe Brothers, Jack and Jerry. 73 versus 24. The Fabulous Freebirds against FTR. 4 versus 29. The MVC versus the Briscoe Brothers, Jay and Mark. 13 versus 20. The Dudleys versus the Eliminators. 5 versus 28. The Outsiders versus Youngblood and Steamboat. 12 seed Demolition versus the 44 seed of the Von Erics, Carrie and Kevin. Two versus 31, the Bulldogs against Los Gringos Locos, Eddie Guerrero, Art Bar. 15 seed, the Usos versus the 18 seed, the Midnight Express. Seven versus 39, the Harlem Heat versus the Skyscrapers. Here's a hell of a match. The 10 seed, the Steiner Brothers versus the 23 seed team. The Brain Busters, the Horsemen, Tully and Arn. That'll be a good one. Three versus 35, the Hart Foundation versus the Funk Brothers. 14 versus 19, the Rockers against Edge and Christian and another one that should be great. A six versus 27, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody against the Hollywood Blondes. And last but not least, 11 versus 22, the Rock and Roll Express versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. There's only three matches here that if you put them on an individual card, that couldn't be the main event. There's no way Harlem Heat skyscrapers would be a main event right. anywhere. Dudley's and Eliminators, even in ECW, that wouldn't be a main event. No. Right. And the Freebirds against FTR. Every other match here could headline a pay-per-view, headline a house show, and be able to sell tickets off of it. I hear Spiker's blood pressure rising over that Freebirds FTR match again. <laughs> I might vote the Freebirds in that one. <sighs> Just so I can hear Chris go off next week. Jamie's going to really test the Christmas card list, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, yeah, I'm, I'm just lucky he likes my wife. Keep it up. Keep it up. Just keep voting against hey, FTR. You voted hey. against him the first two rounds. Hey, Jamie, all I can say is you married a saint. You went and took her out for a really nice anniversary dinner, then came home and talked about JYD on the internet. So, I mean, come on. That's a winner right there. Okay. <laughs> No, I think I actually had her ready to make a guest appearance tonight, but she never uh, came back downstairs. So that might have to wait for next time. There we go. She's always welcome. The significant others of guys are always allowed on the show. So I know she'd have you rolling, Chris. Oh, always, always have her on next week and she can help us determine who's going to go down to the next round. I'd love to hear her go. Who are these people? She would have no idea. (laughs) However, this was the field of 64 college teams she could do the analysis of the whole thing right okay well i think we should put that on our agenda for during sports season when we get the march madness next year she can be your special guest okay i am 100 percent okay with this oh hell yeah the phillies must be losing because i could hear her yelling upstairs <laughs> she's a diehard <laughs> 
hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes us a good pair. I mean, I'm more football and hockey. She's baseball and basketball. So, Well, I mean, when Philly finally gets a hockey team back, you know. Yeah, someday we will have a hockey team again. <laughs> Might be 10 years, but we'll have a hockey team again. Eventually. You guys are getting to be the squad that puts it together and then they get traded or they go away or something like that. I mean, Carter Hurt, I mean, come on. He's going to be gone. I don't think they keep him much longer. No, but dude was freaking great for you guys. He just didn't have a defense to protect him. But if sometimes... To improve, you got to get rid of people. Yeah, agreed. Look at Bob Roski, the Florida Panther goaltender. He was with Philly for a couple years. Yep. Which always happens in Philadelphia. We trade them off and they go on a wins elsewhere. I mean, look at Claude Giroux. Gee, baby. He was (laughs) never that great. No, but he definitely shown elsewhere after he left Philly. So Where is he now? I don't follow the NHL that closely anymore. He was. Let me check. They traded what to Tampa last year he, for, I, for Panthers. I think he ended up as the with the Panther Panthers for a little bit. He's with Ottawa now. I knew was, I knew he was with the okay. He's now a member of the Ottawa Senators. So if I really want to watch him play and make fun of him some more, I just got to go two hours north. Yeah, so. a lot to make fun of. Oh hell yeah, Sal. Well, guys, I think that wraps up round round two, round three. As Drew went over, is going to be extremely interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to potentially seething over some of these. Yeah, we'll see. That's what makes this fun. I think we talked the other day in messaging that I'm worried about half of these are going to just absolutely kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Results may go. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. Like I said, there, there's three matches that I could care less about, but all the remaining ones I could see going either way. There are going to be some close votes, I think. As long as people get their votes in. This is me telling you, get your damn votes in, people. <laughs> We're doing well, though. We got 10 out of 18 right now. When you hear this, hope that you got your votes in. But I want to go ahead and tell everybody they get a pass for last week because it was Father's Day. Obviously, it was the deadline on Father's Day. People were busy. So stuff happens. That's why we're just like, hey, we'll move on. (laughs) We'll try it again. Send the votes back out this week. And like I said, we're off to a good start. We still got two more days to collect votes. We're better than halfway there. Yeah, you'll definitely have mine tomorrow. I won't have the week that I had last weekend. Son graduating college. Granddaughter, second birthday. Busy. Father's Day, then my 31st anniversary on Monday. Yeah, busy you, we got a busy time there. Yeah. That sounds like July for me. Good Lord. July is crazy-ass month, so. And I get to do it all over again around Thanksgiving. Yep. No, I'll be right there. And, and so will you. That's right. Yeah. Yep. JJ and Declan are only a couple days apart. Yep. And Christine and JJ are one day apart. Beautiful. I always tell myself, you gave me a complex, dude. I said, I'm not going to be able to top that. And then he was able to come home on her birthday. I said, dude, I said, you gave me a complex. I'm never going to be able to top this birthday present for your mom ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, our daughter, who was seven at the time when Junior was born, was upset because she was fearing she was going to wind up sharing a birthday with her brother. Sure. As it turned out, her brother came home from the hospital the day of the birthday party that we had planned for Kate. <laughs> she didn't get all the shine for her eighth birthday. No, nope. right. Because he was born. Nope, but Christine called it the best birthday present she ever got. And I didn't really have to do anything except drive her home. So all you guys are fathers. You know exactly what it's like to be a dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Something you wouldn't trade for anything. That's so, right. Coolest thing I've ever done besides be be married to an incredible woman. So in the least pain, but it's the best rewarding. Yep. I can't wait until you guys get to change your grandkids' diapers. <laughs> Hopefully this podcast is still going at that. I'll be in the old age home, but I'll still I'll still come on if you want me. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course we would. I might still have stories 
that we haven't covered by that time. Leave helmet alone. So we'll have to call over to the old people's front desk home and be like, hey, can you make sure Mr. Ward gets over to the phone or to his laptop? Can you, <laughs> can, can you please help him out? We have to record a podcast. Well, hell, I mean, who knows? By then we could have holograms. We could hologram each other by that. Yeah. Could be. It won't be a podcast. It'll be a video cast. Yeah. yeah. It'll be oh, my head in a jar next to Ted Williams. <laughs> <laughs> And Walt Disney. Yeah. And, and Drew, put on that list, if I didn't tell you last time, I think we talked about Sam Kinison and the Bushwhackers right. in the same story. Bruiser Brody, Luke Graham, and Abdul oh. the Butcher. I oh, wow. Know. And a dirt road. <laughs> Oh my! I'm That's so going to be and Abdullah. Yeah, I'm on a dirt road on a dirt road in New Jersey. I'm so familiar. Oh. Forget each other, Sam Kinnis' story. So I feel like this has like a Steve Earl Copperhead Road feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Abdullah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we've got a heck of a list. Once we yeah. get this company wrapped up, we're going to have to have Uncle Jamie back to just regale us with these tales. I got Bring more here tonight that has to deal. With, I don't know if I told this one because I get myself confused on podcasts once in a while. Did I tell you the Terry Funk, Jim Cornette, Jerry Lawler with Stacy? No. Okay, there's another one. Okay. Yeah, that's on the list. I told that on, I think, on Ray's. I've told it before. <laughs> <laughs> this can be a regular, a recurring feature. They're not all great stories. A lot are just, as a uh, local radio station does once in a while, a brush with greatness. Right. A lot yeah. of them is just a brush with greatness, but some of them are pretty funny. Oh, yeah. That mobile. <laughs> Lost its wheel and the Joker got away. <laughs> hey, I, I know. Zaha sat in the Batmobile and couldn't see over the steering wheel, so they got him a couple phone books. There was. <laughs> Get the Bat book. <laughs> One of the greatest t-shirts I've ever seen, and I need to get it around the holidays, is just a picture of a very pissed off looking Batman saying, I do not smell. <laughs> I need to get all weird around Christmas every year. So, Jamie, you mentioned Ray's show. Why don't you tell everybody out there listening how they can hear it? Well, if anyone out there is interested, I do a podcast with my buddy Ray Russell. Actually, it's Ray's podcast. I'm just happy to be on it myself. I'm on some episodes. Roman Gomez is on some episodes. Uh, when I'm on, we talk about Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1981, and it's a deep dive. We go over just about every house show result, every TV match result. And every Omni show and Ray triggers stuff out of my mind that I had totally forgotten about. And we'll go on for an hour and a half, two hours. And it, there's so much even I learned just from Ray because Ray is just unbelievable. And then there's also uh, Romy Gomez that him and Ray do the 1986 Mid-South podcast, part of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. So if you have time and you can check it out, it's on WrestleCopia.com or Spotify. What, what's the other app things, guys? There's old. there's... Anywhere you find your podcast whatever app you use look for regional wrestling that's the word i was looking for r-a-s-s-l-i-n i mean we, we talk and it flies by it seemed almost like doing this the last two weeks it seems like we just started and now we're just about done and you know we're almost three hours into it right yeah and, and as a listen the episodes go by quickly but you learn so much because like you said ray does such a deep dive on the info i've seen him post pictures of the show notes that he has because he makes the show notes available on the Patreon right. where you can see everything and he's just got page after page after page yeah, of notes 
he has for it. It's, it's unbelievable what he does. And the beautiful thing about it is it's not like him just talking. You guys are having a conversation and it translates. And I love that as opposed to people just talking at you. It's, you know, you guys sharing information and different views. And right. Right. It's not clinical. It's entertaining and educational. In my opinion, like when I'm on with John McAdam, I've known him since 1986. So when I'm on with him for my first couple of times were a little rough, but then, you know, it just took over again, you know, our friendship and, and we mesh, you know, pretty well. And now the first couple of times with Ray, I wasn't really sure where I'm supposed to talk, make my comments. And I just kind of, you know, got through. But now we're kind of on the same page and I kind of know when he's going to, you know, leave that uh, blank spot for me to make a comment. Right. He's got a blank space, Jamie, and he'll write your name. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ask me where the fuck that came from. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Isn't that a song? I got a blank page, baby. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I have no idea where that came from. I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I didn't get my somewhat doze and JJ didn't take a nap today. So I'm kind of like, eh. oh, he normally takes one in the afternoon, takes one in the morning. We took his afternoon one when I was walking him to go to the dam for him and I were going to go in the pool today. We have a little kiddie pool in our townhouse development and got him all the way down there. I will go in the gate, turn around to look, get him and he's out. He lasted out until we walked back up to the house and then he was wide awake. And I'm like, yep. Never fails. Yep. All the friggin' dies. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, dude, we're home. And nothing makes me want to take a nap more than being slathered in suntan lotion and SPF. <laughs> That's the worst part. You spend the whole time is we got to cover every square inch of them. We don't want them getting sunburnt and all the stuff, you know, and you get them all dressed up and ready and all this stuff. And then... <sighs> Well, kind of like you're saying, Drew, if somebody was lathering you up, putting yeah. their hands all over you. Yeah, you get relaxed. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't actually nap when he naps. It's more of a, I get to sit back and just kind of relax. And it's like, as close to a nap as you can get without actually sleeping. Yeah. I mean, you either go to sleep or you get a contract play for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> or, or you end up uh, adding random people to chats that you didn't think you were going to. Yeah, that definitely really happened. Um, anyway, <laughs> Drew, you got a couple plugs you need to make, right? Yeah, I wanted to say what's up to the gals over at What's the Vibe? Uh, they've been off for a few weeks. Amy's been out of town doing some training for her work. So once she gets back, they'll get back in the saddle again. So I want to say what's up to them, support them a little bit wherever you podcast. Also want to give a what's up to my little cousin Liam and his new Facebook venture for Shoreline Gems, Beach Glass Jewelry, one-of-a-kind gifts for your special ones or your loved ones. Fair prices, great product. Check it out. He's a great kid. Also, the Joseph. Of course. And you know, by the time the show airs, Barry and Jeff uh, should be calling it a do. Yeah. Yeah. Before moving to Patreon. So come out after the last episode of Breaking K Fabe. So hats so, off to Jeff Bowdrin and Barry Rose for 300 episodes and almost six years of not missing a week. You know, you guys, you guys true. helped form some friendships. Uh, the 605 started things, but your show and your Facebook group helped really establish and grow some friendships. And without Barry and the CWF Fan Fest, I wouldn't have got to meet a lot of these people in person. So thank you guys for everything you've done the last six years. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah, with I don't think any of us can stress it enough how important their show ended up being. You know, I mean, they were there through everything in their lives, you know, between life, death, divorce, Notre Dame losing. They were there. 
as I always say, because it's true, they were there for me through the biggest events in my life the last six years. And, you know, it was like the soundtrack of my every Tuesday. Well, I'd say Tuesday morning, but now it's more like Tuesday afternoon whenever they drop the episode. But, you know, can't can't stress enough that their show literally came entwined in the fabric of our lives. Oh, show. You know, so thank you. Led to us starting this. And, you know, it's like cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. So now people are listening to us. <laughs> right. They inspired two spinoffs, you guys, and Broken Kayfabe yeah. with Mr. 391. Yes. Right. Right. And remember who gave him that Mr. 391. That was you. Thank you, that sir. Was... That's part of my heel turn. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to our brother, Shard Johnson, Russell Rollerson. We love you, buddy. We missed you at FanFest. We love you. Everybody does. You're a great guy. Uh, Stephen Burho, everybody's big brother. Shout out to Stephen and Bruce Cohen as he's continuing to uh, recover and get better every day. And Cindy, who has been by his side through all of this. So we love you guys. Everybody forgets about the other person in the relationship when they have something serious like this. They're going through almost the same trauma that the person who's actually inflicted with it. And everybody, you know, forgets about that. I mean, myself, almost 29 years, I had cancer. I didn't know if I was going to make it. And my wife went through hell because we just had, Katie was only a little more than a year old when it happened. So, I mean, I know from firsthand experience, my my wife went through hell over that. So I'm sure Cindy's been to hell and back through all this. So did he ever reveal what his lungs names were? Uh, I believe that it will be revealed on one of these last two episodes of Breaking Cafe from the sound. I sent, him a, I sent him a bribe last night, so we'll see if, oh, I, if I... Hey, I had, what, 10 likes, so I figured, let me sweeten the pot. And I did sweeten the pot. <laughs> yeah, and all these folks are awesome. I've never met Shard in person, but, you know, the messages him and I've shared have been special to me, and I hope he hears this. And, you know, we're pulling for him. And, you know, Stephen, I remember meeting very briefly at the one fan fest, but I know he means a lot to a lot of people that mean a lot to me. So, therefore, he's great in my book. Well, I'm going to give you my Steve Burrow story before we get out of here. Right. The, the first fan fest that I attended, fall of 2019, I'm asking everybody, get the flights were really expensive at that point. I mean, really expensive. And I'm asking everybody for their advice. What, what time should I check the airlines? When do they give the best deals and everything? And here's a guy, Steve, who doesn't know me from Adam, that's driving to FanFest, offers to pick me up and drive me the rest of the way down there. Here's a stranger that offered me a ride. And, you know, I'm a stranger to him. I could have been an axe murderer. <laughs> that's the kind of guy he is, man. I mean, it, it, I love exactly. Him. I mean, he slept on my couch. He showed up. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm rolling through indiana i was like stop by dude brother he rolled in and we hung out went and had dinner with mike and i mean he's just an amazing dude a great great guy first class individual yeah left wonderful gifts for my kids and uh like i said he's just an amazing dude man a great friend and a great brother and shard i love shard too man he's shard's a trip i love that dude i've only met shard once he was a riot yeah he's one of a kind dude i love shard and i love his post on facebook (laughs) Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I just laugh away. I like when he calls everybody nerds. I, I get a kick yeah. out of that. Love it, dude. Bunch of fat marks. Speaking <laughs> of guys that are riots that we missed at FanFest, Neely J. Oh, yeah. Neely. I haven't missed heard much from Neely lately. That's a shame. There's a guy that's a trip. Yep. Yeah. Love Neil. Yeah. Neil, Neil, banana peel. He's days. That last time uh, we both went to FanFest, we met up at the, the airport. I'm standing down the bottom of the escalator waiting for him. And all I'm hearing is paging Mr. Jamie Ward. Jamie Ward, please report to Southwest Luggage Claim number 14. <laughs> Mr. Jamie Ward. 
<laughs> and all these people are looking at him as he's coming down, down the escalator. <laughs> I love Neely. Yeah, that's great. Or if, if you guys, I can't say this story here because it, I, I couldn't even attempt to replicate it. But if next time you guys talk to Mark Baldry, ask him about the car ride back from Delco Steaks to the hotel. I will do. Mark, Mark, and Mark laughing so much. I mean, I couldn't see because my eyes were watered. Mark was driving. That was even scarier. I bet. The car started to go off the road a little bit. Yeah. We need to get Mark on here sometime and talk about his history oh, of yeah. the that he ran. Oh, absolutely. Oh he ran a show. I think he ran the show that had Vince McMahon and John Cena on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got definitely got to get Beaudry on here. And not to mention yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, my God, yeah. I remember the night at Glory Days. I met him and Phil Kahn, and three of us sitting there talking, and we just started talking. Next thing you know, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. We're sitting around that island at the you know in the hotel lobby just sitting there talking about like everything. Uh, Dr. Phil, I didn't get enough time. Dr. Phil this fan fest. Mark, so. Mark's another guy that we missed on this last one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had a graduation he had to attend. Yeah, he, yeah. he said June is tough for him, so. I mean, I wouldn't have been there if Barry hadn't stressed to me, you know, this is probably the last one. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully whatever materializes in uh, in March or April of next year, hopefully Mark's able to make it down for that. Yeah, hopefully. Hoping so, you know, it should be a good time. The only problem is it may be awfully close to when we got to go watch my little brother graduate college, which there's a 17-year age gap between him and I, so it's almost like watching one of my kids graduate college. I got mixed feelings about it. Well, you know what? You should be all right as long as it doesn't have it in late April, early May. Yeah. That's, what, that's yeah. when most colleges have graduation. But it's going to be two big trips awfully close together. Oh, okay. I got you. Oh, yeah. I fully understand that. I told mom, I was like, I'll come down. She goes, no, you need to bring the family. I want to see my grandson. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had two of those fan fests where I went to fan fest, came home, and within a couple of weeks, I was headed back to Disney. Yeah. I think, yeah. You, I think you're doing that the first time. You and I both went in, in 2019. Right, yeah. yeah. I was back right. within a month back down to Florida again. But we already had the Disney trip planned. I squeezed the uh, the other one in. We had actually talked about making Disney part of the plan of this one if the plans play out like Barry had mentioned. If that was going to be a thing, then that's what we were going to do was make part of it like a side like Disney trip and have Mac watch JJ for a day. Two birds, one stone. Heck yeah. I mean, depending on when they um, actually do this, if eventually they move it to like March, we're going to try to tie spring training in with it. Go to Tampa, Clearwater for the Phillies first and then drive across. But if they have it where that doesn't coincide, we may do a weekend in Universal. There you go. Or a couple of days in Universal and then drive over for the weekend in Daytona. Right. If Neely's there, I'll pay for his park ticket for a day. He can go on It's a Small World with us just so I can watch him have a meltdown. That would be entertaining as hell. Neely, I hope you're listening to this, babe. He would be over in uh, where is it Epcot where you can drink around the world yeah. yes that's where Neely would be <laughs> that's around the world in a day the eat the good steak dinner in La Cellier. yeah I'd best be with him oh my god still the best steak I've ever had was that filet from there oh my god with the truffle butter on top yes that was phenomenal my uncle recommended it and well, my uncle like Disney fanatics and that was like the greatest steak I was literally making some kind of obscene noises while I was eating that steak <laughs> <laughs> Next time you go, try to go to Shula's. Okay. Shula's Steakhouse. And it's either in a Swan or a Dolphin. We had friends tell us about Shula's. They had, used to have a house in Fort Myers or down there somewhere. And uh, they recommended Shula's. And we had one night where we had nothing booked. So we just decided to go there. And it was the best steak I've ever had. Nice. We liked it so much, we went back uh, a couple years later when our son went with us. And he wasn't wild about going there because he's picky. But he ended up finding something that he loved. It was a chicken. Chicken in a uh, white sauce. 
So now he wants to go back to Shula's when we go back in uh, September. Never been to Shula's, but I've been to Ditka's. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go to Ditka's, too. I'm all about the gimmick. There used to be a Shula's in Indianapolis, but it just closed a few years ago. You know, make sure you get all the uh, pennies out of your piggy bank if you're going to Shula's. Yeah, you same with Ditka's. Um, same with Harry Carey's, too. I would love to go there also. Jamie, on your visit, did you guys go to the drive-in like the drive-in theater? We did that last time. We had a blast. Oh, my God. That was incredible because we were there on our honeymoon. The guy took the nice little just married sign, put it on the back of the vehicle and then took a picture of us from behind kissing in the vehicle with just married thing. Oh, awesome. It was one of those really cute, you know, like those old style pictures. And it was just cool because they're showing all those old black and white cheese moves, which I'm a huge fan of those anyways. And, you know, it was just freaking like unbelievable, like everything about it. Food was kind of so-so, but the experience of it was the greatest. Have you ever eaten at the um, the 50s TV place? No, that was on our potential list of places we wanted to go. And... We did not make it that trip. I think we were even talking about going there on the trip that we were going to take before we found out we were pregnant with JJ. Yeah, I recommend that. I mean, if you guys ever want to do a Disney show, I'll come back for that one, too. We're we're Disney-holics. Only food regret I have is Christine and I went to the Lady in the Tramp restaurant, and she would not recreate the scene of them eating the spaghetti with me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel so bad. I don't think I could get Tara to do it either. (laughs) I'm like, honey, it's our honeymoon here. And she goes, do you know how many people probably do that, though? To be different, I said, well, it's not like I'm asking you and I to go face-to-face on a meatball or something like that because they have the massive-ass meatballs there. Yeah, do that. (laughs) Eat your way to your wife. Well, that's a loaded comment. I was going to say, I mean, that's what we did in the hotel room, Drew. There's a time and place and everything for that. So mountainous meatballs is what you're saying? Yes. Okay, well, that's a good segue into our song this week from the Josephines with Appalachian Mountain Blues. Check out the show description for all of the links for the Josephines socials, Facebook, josephines.net. Is that right, Drew? Their website where you can get all the merch, pick up a CD, pick up an album, sweatshirt, support them. They've been getting some radio play on Benji Fido's show here as of late, and I think that's going to continue. So, 98.5 WCKM. Download yes, that today. Yes, download the WCKM app. Listen to Benji's show Saturday nights from 6 to 11. He takes requests. Only gold Saturday night on WCKM with Benji Fido. And it's a fun show. We get ice cream and go set out on the porch and listen listen to the last couple of hours of his show as a family and we always have a good time and just a shout out to benji for just being a great guy period he does yes. a lot of stuff he's very absolutely and a shout out to antonio because he's the champ yes. that's right Tone loke yep yep uh so i mean a shout out to all them you know benji puts us over huge and active in the facebook group which we always encourage people to be more and shout out to malachi d armand i hope i pronounced that correctly that's not <laughs> right at all buddy <laughs> You butchered that word. It's uh, Malachi D. Armand. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Okay. Um. No way, pal. That's staying in. Yeah. (laughs) He'll get a kick out of that. I'll see him in the morning. Oh, wait. Is that your coworker? Yeah. Malachi D. Armand. No shit. My, my, again, I'm really tired. You guys were giving him some love for his uh, always sunny tornado storm of punches comment or whatever the hell that was. Dude, no that popped me huge. Huge. No, I mean, Malachi is constantly posting. Like I said, I'm tired and I butchered the shit out of that. So I apologize, <laughs> Malachi. But no, he's been a pretty constant. And some of the stuff he's posted has popped me. So yep. props to you, sir. Welcome to the group. We're glad to have you. Even if I can't 
properly pronounce your name right, although I might do it just to be spiteful from now on, especially if Mike does not edit that part out. Oh, I'm not. I'm leaving it in. I screwed up Stephen Rafel's last name a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, this is your turn. <laughs> and you know what to do? Still my favorite Ninja Turtle, so... That's right. <laughs> that That's popped, Steve. Which apparently that popped in huge from what he told me. So which is great. Yeah. Check out Steve, Steve's daughter's band, Luna World Cap. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Talented young lady. She can sing. That performance yeah. of Since I've Been Loving You from Zeppelin that he posted the other day. That was, mm-hmm. that was good, dude. Yep. And I got one more shout out. Let's hear Mr. It. Mr. MVP, Ron Gardner. Yes. Leave the boss. Here's the you, Sauce. You're the man. Yeah. My hero. Any man that wears Ohio sports team stuff proudly wherever he goes is okay by me because that takes a lot of balls and a lot of guts. That because all the verbal beatings you take, my hat is off to you. Man, Steve, closed, my man Ron closed the deal. ABC. Always be closing. That's right. He made us proud at Glory Days. Right on. Sauce is the man. Yep. Sauce Gardner. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else? Covered everybody, man. Shout out to you guys. Thanks for another great show. Thanks I'm for just joining. a guest here, and thanks for having me on again. Yeah, thanks for being on, Jamie. We look forward to the next couple of weeks when you come back and we wrap this tournament up over the next couple of weeks here. You've been a fantastic guest, and we will definitely have you on a lot more in the future. Thank you. It sounds good to me. Because this is one podcast where you just stick to wrestling. So, <laughs> well, for everybody here, thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Adios, muchachos. <laughs> Malachi. How, how do we start this?